Let me take this opportunity to welcome you all to this uh, portfolio committee meeting. And I want to convey special welcome to the newly appointed commissioners uh, of the Public Service Commission. And I also want to announce to the committee that uh, today we, we are having the last meeting of, of this term. The next meeting will be in August. Honorable members, on the 19th of August, 2021, the speaker through ATC number 107 introduced and, re and referred the Public Administration Laws General Amendment Bill to the Portfolio Committee on Public Service and Administration as well as referral to the joint tagging mechanism for classifications in terms of joint rule 160. The bill is sponsored by one of our own members, Dr. Leon Schreiber. Thank you, Dr. Schreiber, for, for drafting the bill. Honorable members, as you are aware, that the Department of Public Service and Administration the National School of uh, Government and the Public Service Commission have been in the process of legislative amendments since the beginning of the sixth administration. We have invited them to be part of this meeting and participate in order to ensure we don't duplicate uh, their amendments as we are in the process of considering the bill by Dr. Schreiber. We further invited the presidency, Social Economic Impact Assessment Unit to provide an input on this bill. With those few words, allow me to invite Dr. Schreiber to officially introduce the bill to the committee and later allow the department to present. But before Dr. Schreiber can take the platform, let me first of all find out if we have any apologies for today's meeting. Can Mastrole indicate if we have apologies? Uh, good morning, Chair. Good morning to honorable members um, and the commissioners in the meeting and colleagues. Yes, Chairperson, we only have uh, one apology from Honorable Mutsepe, as indicated that she's still not feeling well. Uh, that's the only apology in terms of mem in terms of the committee members. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, Mastole. I now invite Dr. Shreiba to take the the platform. Thank you. Good morning, Chairperson, and good morning, colleagues, and also to the officials. Um, it is a privilege for me to be on the other side of the fence today, Chairperson, uh, as a presenter. Um, <clears throat> instead of uh, the one asking questions. So thank you very much for everyone who has joined in this meeting. Chair, if I may, I, I'm just going to share my screen here. So let me check if everything works. Okay. Uh, can you see the presentation in the background, Chair? Yes, I can see it. Okay. Thanks very much, Chair. Okay. Um, let's jump right into it, uh, colleagues, uh, with a bit of context and background on this. Um, so the Public Administration Laws General Amendment Bill, the 
original um, uh, memorandum was out uh, in a call for comments. I can confirm that 122 comments were received uh, and processed uh, with uh, unanimous support from people who uh, commented on this bill. Um, and then also just to inform the committee about this letter that was submitted to NEDLAC on the 20th of April 2021, which also introduced and shared the bill with them as part of the regular process. No need to read through it. I'm just uh, bringing it to the, uh, to the uh, committee's attention. No response was received from NEDLAC in this regard, but this letter was shared with them. Chair, let me make full screen here. Great. So in terms of, of the context, Chairperson, um, a couple of extracts from uh, relevant documents, uh, just to set the scene here. The first one being uh, one of the first recommendations from the State Capture uh, Commission report, uh, which this is from the first volume, uh, recommendations 418 and 419. We've heard from the Speaker yesterday about a legal opinion that has confirmed Parliament's uh, right to engage with these recommendations uh, and not uh, having to wait for anything else to happen first. Uh, so what is clear from this recommendation, Chair, and of course we, we are still waiting for the, final, uh, for the final report or the final volume to come out, but it's very clear here that the Commission says that appointments, and this is now specifically related to state-owned enterprises, can no longer be left solely in the hands of politicians because in the main they fail dismally to give SOE members of boards, CEOs, CFOs, uh, they fail to uh, appoint people with integrity uh, and who have what it will take to lead these institutions uh, successfully. Uh, they are all going down one by one quite often and they depend on bailouts. So very clearly an indication in the first volume that the appointment process is really a critical area that needs to be reformed going forward in order to tackle state capture, but as I will show also to improve state capacity and service delivery. Then Chair, I move on to the next slide. Uh, a couple of extracts from this committee's own work. As the colleagues will know, many of the issues canvassed in this bill are not new. And one of the more recent ones comes from a report from this committee on the 16th of March. Uh, and I just uh, referenced the underlined part there, which says that recruitment processes in the public service need to be reviewed and strengthened in order to ensure capable and competent personnel are appointed based on merits. Another one from uh, 6th of May 2022, <clears throat> which refers to the independence of the Public Service Commission, another area that's tackled by this bill and says, recommends that appointment of the PSC Director General through the Public Service Act and participation in the FOSAD structure compromise the independence of the Commission. So that's a, a clear view taken by, by uh, the committee. And then also finally, another uh, uh, such recommendation, which clearly makes this case for the independence and the importance of markers of constitutional independence also as contained in the Carter Asmal recommendations regarding the Public Service Commission. So Chair, the context here is quickly canvassed to show that indeed the letter and the spirit of this bill is not only entirely consistent with recommendations made by the State Capture Commission, but also with recommendations repeatedly made by this very portfolio committee. So it's not something that just dropped from the sky, it's something that has been uh, grappled with and on our agenda for quite a while, and I think uh, beyond, you know, just flagging problems and making recommendations, it's it's time to put action uh, on the table. 
So that is what the public administration law's general amendment bill seeks to do. In the first instance, it seeks to prohibit political office bearers, that's politicians, from employment in the public service. It secondly seeks to prohibit a special service benefit for DGs or HODs who have been dismissed. So not retired, but dismissed from public service. It thirdly seeks to enhance the financial independence of the Public Service Commission, as well as relatedly the administrative independence of the Public Service Commission. In the fifth case, it seeks to mandate the Public Service Commission to enforce merit-based appointments free from political interference. And finally, it seeks to empower the Public Service Commission to take remedial action. And this obviously relates to the many recommendations from the PSC, which often are not implemented. Chair, I will now take us through each of these six uh, core pillars of the bill. The first one on prohibiting uh, political office bearers from public service employment. Um, it's worth emphasizing very strongly here that this exact provision, word for word, was uh, adopted a few weeks ago in the National Assembly in, to, in, in, in the form of the Municipal Systems Amendment Bill. So this exact clause is already now on the President's desk, and should he sign that bill, it will prevent in the municipal sphere uh, political office holders from working in the administration. Now, Chair, logic would dictate that we cannot single out only the municipal sphere. Uh, the problem that has been identified in terms of the politicization of the civil service certainly does not end at the municipal or local level. And it's therefore only logical that this same provision must be extended to national and provincial government departments. I think it's not only rational and uh, from a policy point of view, but also from a legal point of view, that there cannot be this discrepancy between what applies to municipal workers and what applies in other spheres. And therefore, uh, this, as I say, this wording comes exactly from that recently passed amendment. Uh, and it makes it clear that an employee of the public service may not hold political office in a political party or political organizations, whether in a permanent, temporary, or acting capacity. And then it has um, provisions for, uh, for transition. So when a person is an employee, uh, when Section 1 becomes operational and currently holds political office, they have one year to comply uh, with that section by resigning from political office before they can accept the promotion, transfer, or secondment. Uh, and again, make it, making it clear that political rights are not limited beyond this provision. Once again, Chair, word for word from the Municipal Systems Amendment Bill, which was uh, very strongly supported in the National Assembly by all political parties. Then onto the second provision, uh, which also is a matter of, of profound logic and rationality. At the moment, unfortunately, the Public Service Act leaves the door open for officials who have been dismissed, in other words, with cause, from the public service uh, to still receive a special service benefit. Um, Chair, I, I would hope it goes without saying that the idea of providing a special benefit, an additional payment, some kind of bonus, uh, to someone who has been dismissed from the public service uh, is, is entirely illogical because if they deserved such a, a benefit, they would not have been dismissed in the first instance. So what this second amendment or, or, or step does 
is to simply remove the provision for dismissal to be a ground for a special service benefit. So a, 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 a DG or HOD who retires uh, and has nothing against them, uh, no dismissal, uh, will remain eligible, of course, but it is to prevent uh, the um, uh, unjustified enrichment of people who have been dismissed from public service. On to the third point regarding the financial independence of the Public Service Commission. Um, Chair, this is, a, this is an important one because uh, as the ASMAL report there and as this committee made clear, uh, there are certain markers of independence that are very, very important and financial independent, independence is one of them. Uh, this committee has clearly expressed itself in the past on the problem with the Public Service Commission being reliant on government departments not only for its budget vote, but in this case, really at the root of the problem is the fact that the commission is not recognized as a constitutional institution in terms of the Public Finance Management Act. Uh, it's a real anomaly in this regard because you'll find everything else there. I think 11 other institutions, the Public Protector, ICASA, other institutions are given this important, as uh, the committee has said, marker of independence and financial independence in the PFMA. And this amendment proposes to add the Public Service Commission into its rightful place in Schedule 1 of the Public Finance Management Act to ensure that it is also fully recognized as a constitutional institution, which means that its purpose for existence is not rooted in legislation like the Public Service Act um, or even the Public Service Commission Act, but it is rooted uh, financially also in the Constitution and that's therefore entitled to that kind of financial independence and the ability to oversee its own financial affairs. The important thing to point out here is that in the process of uh, investigating this amendment, we found out, and, and Parliament's legal advisors have also confirmed this, that there was uh, an error made, and this is quite a serious error, in previous amendments to Schedule 1. The National Treasury confirmed that the recognition of uh, the the um, Commission on Remuneration of Public Office Bearers was not done through the correct process. It was simply uh, gazetted by the um, department, and it was actually not done as we're trying to do here through a formal legal amendment. So, Chair, in the interest of fixing that error and preventing any kind of uh, legal consequences or what else, uh, this amendment would actually um, fix that mistake and ensure that those uh, entities that were incorrectly gazetted are also included among the constitutional institutions. Um, so that uh, would apply to both the Public Service Commission and fixing the status of um, those other institutions. And of course, related, the fourth point, it's not only about financial independence, it is also about administrative independence. If the Public Service Commission is to really assume the role that the constitution envisages of uh, having this power of oversight over the public service. Uh, so this amendment also has been much discussed in the committee uh, and is something that I think most of us can agree on, that the Office of the Public Service Commission should be removed from the purview of the Public Service and Administration Department. It does not make sense that the institution, a constitutional institution that's supposed to exercise oversight uh, is uh, nestled within a government department itself. It will do this by making the chairperson of the Public Service Commission the executive authority, whereas it's currently um, not clearly designated. 
And uh, by removing the Office of the Public Service Commission, it will no longer be headed by a Director General, but by a fully-fledged CEO who will report to the Chairperson of the PSC rather than to the Minister of Public Service and Administration, as is currently the case. Uh, it also uh, confers the, uh, the, the relevant powers on the Chairperson, importantly, after consultation with the rest of the Commission, to organize and structure the Office of the Public Service Commission, and clearly makes the CEO responsible for financial, administrative, and clerical functions. The point here is to improve accountability within the Public Service Commission, because even as we try to expand the powers of the PSC to ensure merit-based appointments, we must make sure that the PSC itself uh, is held accountable and operates optimally, and that's what this amendment seeks to do by giving it power over its own affairs and um, making it really uh, practically independent from the executive. Then uh, getting to another important uh, provision here, Chair, to mandate the Public Service Commission to enforce merit-based appointments. So a lot of the legislation around the PSC currently speaks about recommendations um, and other, if I may call it, softer provisions. But uh, the Constitution explicitly provides that the Public Service Commission may issue directions. And it's an important distinction because a direction is something that is binding and enforceable. And specifically, if we look at Section 1973 of the Constitution, it reads that no employee of the public service may be favored or prejudiced only because that person supports a particular political party or cause. Uh, and it is clear that the Public Service Commission is the institution that should be enforcing this requirement um, and not politicians, as the State Capture Commission has made clear. There's a, there's a clear conflict of interest when politicians have this power. So the proposal is to insert into the Public Service Commission Act uh, the mandate for the PSC to issue directions to ensure that decisions related to recruitment, transfer and promotion is based on ability demonstrated by proficiency, including training or other qualification and skill that is required for the relevant area in which the recruitment, transfer or promotion is being done, and to ensure that objectivity and fairness so that any recruitment, transfer or promotion is done on merit alone and does not favor or prejudice any person because that person supports or does not support a particular political party or cause. You can see the wording comes uh, directly from the constitutional provision 1973, uh, which is currently lacking from our legislation. So uh, it is very, very important that we uh, implement that provision that has been in our constitution for a long time, but in many cases has not been honored. Continuing on this uh, mandate of the PSC to enforce merit-based appointments, uh, to ensure uh, that, that this uh, provision is implemented, uh, the Public Service Commission has the mandate to ensure that employment and personnel management practices are based on objectivity and fairness, include a prohibition on any recruitment, transfer, promotion, or dismissal being effected based on, in part or in whole, a particular person's support of or opposition to a particular political party or cause. This very clearly then in our law would embed the idea that catered deployment is not allowed, that people who are uh, loyal to particular political causes or parties do not in any way become advantaged uh, above people who, who are not. And very importantly, to give real teeth to this provision, any person who fails to comply with the direction issued by the Public Service Commission under this section 
shall be guilty of an offense and liable on conviction to a fine or to imprisonment for a period not exceeding 12 months or to both such fine and imprisonment. This uh, provision also exists and, 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 and this um, um, uh, response, this sentence, if you want to call it that, was taken from the recent amendments to the Auditor General um, legislation. And it makes it very clear that this is how we enforce compliance with the PSC's directives for merit-based appointments rather than political uh, interference. Then the sixth point, Chair, is to, of course, ensure that the PSC is able to take remedial action, again, using the example of recent amendments to the Auditor General's legislation. Um, so what it does is it inserts, uh, inserts a, another section to the Public Service Commission Act to ensure that measures, directions, and recommendations issued by the PSC become legally binding. I think the last figure was 80% of recommendations by the Public Service Commission were not implemented within a one-year period. And so uh, that clearly demonstrate the need, demonstrates the need for this amendment. Now, with this amendment, um, within 60 days, the relevant authority that's been given a direction or a recommendation must report to the Public Service Commission on whether that has been implemented. And if there's a failure to implement within those 60 days, uh, the Public Service Commission is then able to investigate summon people for in-person uh, appearances and report any failure, must report failures to the provincial and national legislature, and also then clearly gets the power, the mandate, even the instruction to refer irregularities to the Auditor General, the SIU, or another similar body. Again, the point here being to give real teeth to the Public Service Commission and to ensure that there are real consequences where it finds that merit-based appointments, but also any other HR practice or the kind of problems that this committee is well aware of is actually corrected and actually implemented. Chairperson, as I said, this bill is really a comprehensive effort to address the problems that this committee is well aware of. It seeks to depoliticize, remove the influence of politics in our public administration, and it does so across the board. And that's why I would like to make uh, a call on members of this committee, but also really on every South African, that this is not uh, a political or a party issue. This should be something which applies across the board, whether it is party A or B or C who is in power, none of them should have the ability to actually capture the administration and, and, and make appointments based on political considerations rather than merit. Chairperson, we are in a democracy, and at some point, every political party will find itself in opposition. Some will find itself in government, and that's how democracies operate with, through, through competition. And surely, every member of this committee can understand if the opposition comes to power, then they would want the same uh, rules to apply in order to ensure that the state is not captured and subverted for political ends, uh, as the State Capture Commission has made clear ever again. So it's a plea for non-partisanship. It's a plea for uh, constructive inputs on this bill. Uh, but I do think, Chair, this would take us a very, very long way towards depoliticizing the civil service, towards building a capable state, and making sure no matter which party is in government, that we have a state that's able to actually execute on the policies and uh, undertakings made by the government of the day. Thank you very much, Chair.
Thank you. Uh, I now want to welcome the the, the minister. Uh, I must also indicate to members that uh, today we are not going to finalize discussions on this on this bill by Dr. Schreiber, but uh, in the coming meeting we shall engage uh, uh, with this properly. Can I invite the deputy minister, please? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, let me just um, acknowledge you, Chairperson, members of the committee, uh, officials that are on the platform, and just members of the public. Um, and I want to, uh, Chairperson, just welcome uh, the briefing on the private members' bill um, by the uh, member of the Democratic Alliance, Dr. L.A. Schreiber, um, and to say that um, from our side, we just want to leave it uh, to the committee for uh, deliberations. Uh, Chair, I don't know whether you want me to proceed to actually introduce the business that we are here for today, or maybe just hand over to you, uh, back to you again. Yes, DM, I want you to, as I said, Today, we are not going to engage on what Dr. Schreiber has presented. We will engage with this in the next meeting. So the opportunity I'm giving you now is to present what you have come to do in the Portfolio Committee today. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, today, we will actually be presenting to you uh, the Public Service uh, Amendment Bill. And to say that the bill considers uh, public administration holistically uh, looking at high performance in public service uh, that meets the basic needs of South Africans, maximizing the use of finance resources of the country, uh, creating a people-oriented, cohesive, uh, synergized, efficient, and effective public service. The bill also takes into consideration what is currently muted as the future of work. The bill strengthens public service functions. Sorry, DM. DM, sorry. I, I, I made a mistake here. I, I should Chair? not have given, I should not have given you a DPSA first. You will follow. Oh. I, I should have invited the DM in the presidency. All right, Chairperson. Uh, I'll hand over back to you. Thank you. Okay. Then you will you will follow after uh, uh, the the DM presidency. Can I invite the presidency? Um, uh, good morning, Chair, and greetings uh, to honorable members and Deputy Minister 
and uh, colleagues. Um, we're going to present um, on the impact assessment that was conducted uh, on the on the bill. Uh, let me Okay, um, Chair, are you able to see the presentation? Okay, um, the, the presentation covers uh, introduction and background on uh, the socioeconomic impact assessment system. Uh, the rationale of the private member bill uh, that has been uh, presented by Dr. Schreiber, the government uh, policy focus and uh, current initiatives, and uh, the overall assessment of uh, the proposed bill, as well as uh, a recommendation. As a quick uh, background, um, the socioeconomic impact assessment system is an ex-ante policy analysis tool that is aimed to strengthen uh, policy making, and it also supports decision making in terms of to regulate or not, and to or to choose different pathways uh, so that we address uh, the challenges that we are confronted with, and it's a it's a a system that has to be applied throughout policy and lawmaking. So it shouldn't come at the end when a policy or a bill is being finalized. It's a system that was introduced by a cabinet in 2015 uh, to replace um, the uh, regulatory impact assessment that was piloted for two years. Uh, so through CS, uh, departments are able to analyze broader socioeconomic uh, challenges, associated costs and risks, and come up with uh, mitigation actions uh, to deal with potential unintended consequences of our policies, but also in the main to say how responsive are our policies and bills to the National Development Plan and, and how is it going to improve um, uh, for transformation and inclusive uh, economic growth. And uh, our role in the presidency within the policy and research services is to conduct independent analysis uh, based on the proposals and uh, CS reports that are coming from departments and also do a quality assurance. Um, with regard to um, the public administration laws general amendment bill that has been uh, introduced by uh, Dr. Schreiber, uh, the key aspects of the bill um, seeks to address or amend the three legislation, which is the Public Service Act, uh, the Public Service Commission Act, uh, the Public Administration Management Act, in order to 
strengthen the independence of the Public Service Commission by delisting it uh, from uh, Schedule 1 of the Public Service Act and to list it as Schedule 1 of the Public Finance Management Act, thus removing the commission from the ambit of uh, the Public Service Act and also to assert the power of the commission to enforce its directions towards compliance of the values and the principles as enshrined in the constitution. And it also makes provision for the impossibility of special service benefits uh, uh, for HODs who have been dismissed uh, from the public service. And also it it intends to depoliticize the public service uh, where state officials are not uh, supposed to hold uh, political um, uh, positions in a party organization or structure. Uh, uh, Chair, we need to also acknowledge that uh, the current uh, administration has placed building a capable ethical and developmental state as a top priority amongst uh, the seven priorities uh, uh, that we have uh, to advance uh, delivery of quality services uh, to our citizens. Uh, So government undertook a comprehensive approach uh, to address the capacity of the state in line with uh, the National Development Plan and its reviews. Uh, So these are some of um, the interventions uh, that um, government is focusing on to put uh, effort in stabilizing the political administrative interface to ensure that uh, senior appointments are based on meritocracy, uh, including also those of the local government sphere, and uh, to capacitate the public service that uh, we have skilled um, public servants uh, who are also uh, absorbed in the right uh, jobs. Uh, The other important uh, policy focus is to improve uh, digital transformation so that we enhance the delivery of services. Another important policy focus is addressing the governance of uh, SOEs, and there is um, some work that has been done to come up with an SOE legislation. And mechanisms have been also put in place to cap uh, fraud and corruption and dealing with uh, those who are found uh, to have uh, compromised the law. And it's also about ensuring that uh, we don't only focus on individual performance within departments, but uh, in a very integrated manner uh, through the district delivery model uh, so that we are able to ensure that we um, deliver services in an integrated manner and also implementation of the national priorities to happen within uh, this uh, model. Other initiatives uh, by government including uh, includes the designation of our current DG in the presidency, who is now the head of the public uh, administration as uh, indicated uh, in the National Development Plan. And this is a, a main step towards building a professional and capable public service. Uh, there is also work around uh, finalizing the framework for the professionalization of public service. Uh, So uh, to ensure that uh, it's not about having qualifications and skills, but how do we also instill uh, respect, uh, courtesy and integrity 
in dealing with um, uh, the public, but also with other uh, public servants. There is also work around conducting uh, lifestyle audits and the process on SOE reforms to restore the governance, uh, strengthening the law enforcement institution like the NPA and others to, um, and and putting also mechanisms uh, to fight fraud and corruption and to continue to um, capacitate uh, public servants and also at senior level so that they're able to uh, contribute or improve the performance of their institutions. And there is a current work that started some years ago to amend the Public Service Act, the PAMA, and to repeal the Public Service Commission so that it provides an enabling environment for implementation of uh, these initiatives and uh, also appreciating the work that has been done by Parliament by passing the Municipal Systems Amendment Bill, um, which is now with uh, the President to be assented into, into law. So with regard to um, the impact assessment of the bill, um, I must indicate that it, it does cohere with some of the work that is being implemented by government. Uh, The concern was that also the basis of the bill was on the testimony given at the Commission of Inquiry on allegations of state capture since 2018 and not on recently released reports that were handed over by the President. And uh, um, Dr. Schreiber has actually updated uh, this area that is based also on um, the reports that are being uh, provided uh, to the president. And we are mindful also that the president committed to submit a full report and the implementation plan that is based on um, the recommendations that are coming from um, the commission uh, to parliament. So the bill, uh, however, does not holistically address the priority of building a capable, ethical, and developmental state And it also parallels other important legislative amendment, uh, the work that has been done by a Department of Public uh, uh, Service and Administration, as well as the Public Service Commission. Uh, So uh, it's it's actually addressing um, or the approach, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of limited or narrow in addressing this important priority of government. With regard to the independence and impartiality of uh, PSC, the bill assumes that the independence and impartiality of PSC are being compromised, hence the change of its form. Uh, The NDP also recommended that um, the Public Service Commission should be repurposed and repositioned to asset Uh, the standing as custodian of uh, meritocracy in the public service. So the proposed amendments on its uh, institutional setup in the bill are made outside a supportive uh, business case that is informed by the views of affected staff and labor unions. So it's not about changing the form in terms of uh, the law, but we need to consider that there are people involved. There is a need also for uh, change process uh, so that people are being taken through the process. So it's a very important aspect when you change um, uh, the the institutional arrangements 
uh, we have to engage uh, people. So it's not about uh, changing also um, the form of the institution, but also systems, processes, and organizational culture that this is now a new way of, of doing things. And it has to be a very consultative process. And it is also not clear on how the proposed institutional arrangements will contribute towards the independence. So it also talks to the importance of having a business case. The modality for funding also has to be part of the business case so that uh, it assets the independence of the Public Service Commission. Uh, So the bill appears to be a duplication to existing legislation regarding holding the executive uh, accountable. On special uh, service benefits, the bill assumes moral authority and seeks to correct the challenge of rewarding an unethical behavior, uh, which led to dismissal. Um, And adding this clause into the legislation may serve as a deterrent for those who engage in unethical conduct. With regard to depoliticization of the public service, um, the public service regulations of 2016 approach is not to criminalize those with uh, political ambitions, but in the main to protect the integrity of public service in saving the public in an unbiased and impartial manner. So the focus of the bill is largely on the independent uh, bureaucracy rather than investing in provisional public service, which um, government is attending through the framework on professionalization of public service. Um, So the bill is not entirely addressing the political administrative uh, related uh, uh, challenges. Um, On the depolitization of the public service as we continue, Um, Government interventions emphasize that the public service should uh, uh, be insulated from political interference, influence, or manipulation, of which the role of public public service commission becomes important. Uh, Appointments are to be based on meritocratic criteria that includes qualifications, experience, expertise, integrity and values and not on, on, on political patronage. So it's not about qualifications, expertise and experience, but also the important part is on integrity and, and the values. Uh, and therefore, uh, we need to also consider soft issues um, uh, that will support uh, uh, the uh, legislation that is being uh, initiated by government. Uh, Some of the soft issues include continuous training uh, to both political and administrative leadership on the clear separation of um, the executive and administrative responsibility. Uh, We need to instill the philosophy of Ubuntu, but also in the main, how do we build mutual trust uh, between the political and administrative uh, leadership so that they are able to Uh, work together towards um, uh, the performance of government, but also the respect uh, of uh, the supremacy of the constitution of the republic. So we shouldn't also assume that um, there's always a mischief uh, from political heads, but we need to also learn 
from best practices. There are uh, examples where you have uh, ministers who worked well uh, with uh, uh, accounting officers, and we need to have a way of um, capturing those uh, best practices and uh, issues of uh, mutual trust, issues of understanding uh, roles and responsibilities, issues of emotional intelligence. So those are the soft issues that needs to go into continuous uh, trainings and also learning from other um, uh, other other institutions on how uh, they managed the political and administrative interface. So in conclusion, Chair and Honourable Members, the bill is based on um, the work that is done by the Zondo Commission, and uh, we have updated this in terms of what uh, Dr. Schreiber spoke about with regard to um, uh, the reports that are coming through. Um, the proposed institutional arrangements of PSC are not supported by a business case in the case of uh, this um, a private member bill and the clarity on a modality of its funding. Uh, so this element might result uh, in terms of pushback or uh, uncertainty uh, with regard to the affected staff. And the bill has a limited approach in dealing with uh, the entire a priority of building a capable, ethical, and developmental state. Uh, so our recommendation is that, Chair, that government be allowed to continue with its policy focus and initiatives and to expedite the finalization of this key legislation, uh, the Public Service Act, the PAMA, and uh, the repeal of the Public Service Act, and uh, implementation of the Municipal Systems Amendment Bill. Um, the finalization of uh, the framework uh, uh, for professionalization of public service is also a very key framework that needs to be finalized and uh, be implemented accordingly. Uh, so that's basically the presentation. Thank you very much, Chair and uh, Honorable Members. Uh, thank you. I will now allow uh, honorable members to 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 ask um, questions if they have. Can I can I see hands? Uh, honorable Ntuli, come in. Honorable Kondwe, Honorable Schreiber, thereafter. Mm. Chair, uh, greetings, Chair, and the meeting. And Chair, can can I request that I I switch my video off? I've got uh, the problem of the internet with me. Yeah. Um, hey, yo, hey, come on, meeting. Chairperson, um, thank you very much. Uh, you can switch off your video, Honorable Ntoli. Thank you, thank you, Chair. Chairperson, uh, I would love to thank uh, the presenters. Firstly, uh, Mr. Honorable Schreiber, and also the the department, uh, the presidency. 
and one would love to recommend the good work uh, that is in pipeline um, in so far as the the three legislations are concerned and that indeed uh, these legislations are, are taking the posture of the deliberations of the portfolio committee meetings from time to time. Now we we are then looking forward. Uh, we are then looking forward to these uh, three legislation, and also one would love to commend Honorable Schreiber to take his time in this regard, uh, bearing in mind that uh, we are not going to deliberate on the issues today, but the issues are set for future. And thank you very much, Chairperson. Honorable Gondwe. Chairperson, um, let me also start by um, appreciating um, the presentations, more especially the presentation by Honorable Schreiber. This is a bold bill um, that will ensure that uh, the separation between the state um, and and you know the political realm is is firmly entrenched, um, especially when it comes to our public service. Um, I know we're not deliberating on it, so I will not um, uh, say any more around the bill. But I do have uh, questions for the president for the presidency um, around the the socioeconomic impact assessment that they did. Um, in relation to PALGAP. PALGAP is, is the bill that Honorable Schreiber has just presented before the committee. Um, in slide five, they state that the current government has undertaken a comprehensive approach to addressing the capacity of the state in line with the NDP. And I'm surprised that the presidency um, can make such a, an assertion when um, very recently um, our government admitted that we would not be able to achieve some of the goals and the targets in the NDP. Um, given uh, you know so much that has happened you know the, the the slow growth in our economy and also um you know the spate of corruption and and malfeasance um right across government um and so i i i i take the the view that uh, you know one of the goals that we will not be able to achieve is is, is the goal of ensuring that we build a capable and ethical state uh, you know public service um given um you know the the problems that we're currently experiencing in our public service and um you know truly speaking it's 11 years into the ndp and and to make reference to the ndp at this stage when our very government has admitted that um we're not going to be able to make uh, you know goals uh, you know the the goals contained in the ndp um I, I i just find it very puzzling that they can you know um, indicate that they, you know, our government has taken a, compre a comprehensive approach to addressing the capacity of the state in line with the NDP. Um, 
And there's no denying that government has introduced a number of initiatives in the public service aimed at promoting and, you know, capability and ethics, such as the framework for the prof professionalization of the public service and the introduction of compulsory lifestyle audits for public servants. However, all these initiatives are not bearing fruit. When is this framework coming into effect? Um, and, and, you know, there's been so much talk, it's been touted as if it's, you know, the panacea to all the problems that we, we, we're experiencing in the public service. But when is it coming into effect? I mean, um, and, and the lifestyle audits, you and I know, um, uh, Chairperson, that the pace at which they are being implemented is, is, is very slow. Um, we've got uh, departments that haven't even started implementing those lifestyle audits. And so um, for them to indicate that there are already initiatives that have been introduced that can address um, you know, some of the issues raised in the bill, I, I, I just think that you know, they're being a bit you know, disingenuous in this sense. Um, because these initiatives, some of these initiatives are really not bearing fruits. And then they point to the fact that the NSD has, you know, all these uh, training programs on offer that can, you know, address some of the issues. But uh, the NSD has admitted themselves that um, most of the time when they have a post-evaluation um, course, uh, post-evaluation, you know, um, they require public servants to evaluate courses after the fact. Uh, most of the, the the public servants say that they are unable to implement, um, you know, some of the things that they've learned in those courses. And so there has to be a, a connect uh, between what the courses that the NSG has on offer and, and what the challenges that we're facing in the public service. And currently there isn't such a connect. In fact, there's a disconnect, if I have to be a, a frank about it. And in slide six, the presidency states that the basis of the bill is, is the testimony given during the Zondo Commission, and that is not the basis of the bill. Um, in making reference to the testimony and, and, and some of the observations made during the Zondo Commission, uh, I believe Honorable Schreiber was just giving context um, to the conceptualization of the bill as a whole. And then in, in slide seven, they state that Palga does not holistically address the priority of building a capable and ethical state. Um, I would like them to explain what they mean by the statement, because the bill does touch extensively on the recruitment of persons on the basis of merit and on the basis of their skills and competence. And this forms the very basis of building a, a capable, ethical and developmental public service. And I want to find out whether they feel that other bills such as, you know, the Palmer Act holistically address this priority because it, you know, it, it, it baffles me that they think that this bill does not, you know, holistically address the priority of building a capable ethical state and, and the Palmer Act does. So I want to find out, you know, how, how you know, their reasoning in that regard. And then slide eight, and they provide that the bill assumes that the independence and impartiality of the PSC are compromised. Does the PSC not make this very assumption and hence them proposing the PS, you know, the PSC bill, um, which seeks to establish a secretariat to ensure the independence and impartiality of the Public Service Commission. So in other words, Chairperson, what I'm trying to say is that the PSC has admitted themselves that, you know, they feel that they require more independence and impartiality, hence them introducing this bill that will ensure that they have, an, you know, a secretariat. Um, and, and the PSC has itself indi indicated that it desires greater independence and impartiality. Um, therefore, would it have not been better for them to state that the bill will add more value or augment the PSC bill? Because it reinforces the PSC bill, um, um, in my view. 
And then slide eight again provides that the NDP recommended that the PSC be repurposed and repositioned to a set standing as the custodian of meritocracy in the public service. As I indicated earlier on in my opening, we're 11 years into the NDP. And to state that the PSC has not been repurposed or repositioned and, you know, um, 11 years down the line, why has it not happened? And Pell Gaps, you know, wants to assist in repositioning and repurposing. Uh, 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 you know, the PSC in this regard. And then slide nine, they state that the bill does not address the political and administrative interface. I, I just need them to explain what they mean by this because the bill seeks to address exactly this in prohibiting political office bearers from holding employment in the public service. I thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Mkweba. Uh, thank Another you very much, Chair. Uh, Chair, can I close my video? I've got a network problem. All right. No, th thanks. Thank you very much, Chair. And uh, uh, good morning to the DM, Honorable Chana, and uh, Honorable Member. As uh, the team from the presidents and also the, the team from the DPSA and also the, the acting chair of the Public Service Commission. Uh, chair, one, let me appreciate the two presentations, one from uh, Honorable Schreiber and um, and, uh, and, and the, the, the presidents. Chair, in fact, from the presentation of, um, which is the private um, member bill of Honorable Striper, I don't have initially questions, but rather want to highlight what the bill does not take into account, Chair. For example, um, the NDP, if you read it, stipulates that there is a need to stabilize the political administrative interface, uh, especially in the public service. And obvious, you know, it also speaks on how we must then um, recruit in the public service to avoid uh, political connections, but rather look at the skills and expertise. Chair, but now the bill assumes that there are no clear lines of appointment in the public service. And it does not take into account work that that is being undertaken by the public service, particularly the amendment of PAMA that have been also in the presentation from the presidents touched it, and also the PSA amendment bill and the professionalization framework headed by the National School of Governance, of government, and the introduction of the lifestyle audits was those are the presentations that were presented in this, uh, before this portfolio committee. And also, Chair, I think it's important that we must note 
the work done by our government, taking decisive measures to deal with maladministration and prevention of corruption in the public service. Thus, the, amen, the amendment of the PSA amendment bill in prohibiting the heads of departments from holding political office. So, Chair, again, the role of the Public Service Commission, it's clear, is to champion the norms and standards and monitoring the recruitment process. An obvious, Chair, the powers of the Public Service Commission are set out in Chapter 10 of the Constitution. That gives its independence. That comes from reporting to Parliament. It's, 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 a, it's a known thing that the Public Service Commission reports to Parliament. And can therefore... I, can, can I come in, Honourable Members? Remember, I said... The presentation by Honorable Schreiber is not going to be debated today. No, I understand that, Chair, but I thought that I must clarify some of the issues that is important for the people of South Africa so that it must not be seen as, must not be seen as we have a government that is not uh, doing uh, things or government that is not uh, implementing, you know, uh, uh, some of these issues, Chair. I think it's important that at least uh, we must then um, be able to clarify some of the issues. I'm not, I, I understand what you have said uh, in your opening remarks, but it's important that, uh, Chair, also give the people of South Africa the understanding yeah, the in terms of, of these issues. Yeah, person, on a point of order. A point of order, Honorable McGraw. Yeah, uh, I would agree that we stay to your ruling, Chair, because it's going to tempt other members to also now, uh, you know, uh, have an input on the issue. Yeah, I, I, I said this presentation by Honorable Schreiber must not be debated today. It will be debated in the next meeting. I, I stick to that and I appeal to all other members to, to honor that ruling. No, thank you very much, Chair. But, um, okay, let me move uh, from the, the presentation of Honorable Schreiber. But at least, Chair, we must always debate issues with facts. Then, Chair, uh, one appreciate the progress report from the presidents, but I've got only one question, uh, Chair. I understand that the president will be submitting the full report and the implementation plan to parliament in terms of the state capture report. My question then to the, to the presidents, what should be then the best way or should parliament wait for the formal tabling of the state capture report by the president in order to develop or strengthen the existing legislation, Chair. I, I thank you very much, Chairperson. Honorable Komani. 
Thank you very much, Chairperson. And can I be allowed to maybe switch off my video if I've square my, my challenges of, of the network persists? So thank you very much for, for the presentations and the the the, the uh, from both the presidency and honorable Schreiber. And safe to say, Chair, I I commend you for upholding your the the decision of us not debating that uh, the presentation by Honorable Schreiber. Be it as it may, Chair. On slide five, uh, where 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 uh, the presenter spoke of the com comprehensive comprehensive approach towards the NDP. One would then ask, what informs the comment? Because we have such high rate of unemployment and corruption. Uh, we're not going to make, uh, and, 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 and the, the department has also indicated to the committee that we are not going to achieve, we are not going to be able to achieve the goals as, as, as anticipated. Uh, then one would as well ask this question, Uguti, does the government have the capacity to 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 realize the goals as they uh, 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 said them before in the previous years? And share next uh, the next question would then what would be the view about the uh, the framework of uh, uh, to professionalize the public service? Will the uh, will the framework guard against the departments? And the state institutions on appointing incompetent people in senior management uh, positions. And so the other question would then be: Would public uh, would public administration laws, uh, general amendment bill, complement the existing legislative framework act to strengthen the loopholes in the public service? And uh, the other one, chair, is that on slide seven. Uh, there was the mention that the bill parallels other important legislative amendment bills, such as the Public Service Act and Public Administration Management Bill. So, so uh, uh, one would then need clarity on that. Would you, what, what does do they mean when they say they 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 work it they, they they parallel the the, the other legislative uh, amendment bills? And then okay, one would finally ask that on slide seven. Uh, the, 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 the department made mention of uh, that the bill, par uh, no, 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 that one, yes, that, that one I have, I have raised, uh, uh, do we then say, uh, or what is this, that they, they uh, should the committee wait for the tabling of, of, of the amendment bill by the Department of Public Service and Administration and Public Service Commission, which include the adoption of the framework of professional uh, of, of professionalizing the public service in order to assess whether there are no duplications or uh, take some of the proposals in, in the new proposed bill to the existing legislations. Thank you very much. Honorable Mbele. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, good morning to everyone on the platform and uh, watching online. Um, uh, also, let me echo my uh, gratitude and, and, and positive um, impression to Honorable Schreiber for, for his initiative. 
Um, I think it's 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 much needed. And as was mentioned in the uh, Parliament's uh, budget vote yesterday, um, it's the kind of uh, proactive um, efforts that uh, members of Parliament should be making more often to contribute to improving the the policy and the legislative pr- uh, uh, landscape in this country. Uh, uh, in, in, in collaboration with the executive, so we can dovetail um, um, uh, all thoughts and efforts. Uh, Chairperson, my question uh, is really rooted in one particular uh, point uh, from the presidency uh, presentation, and it was triggered by um, the mention by Honorable Gondwe. Uh, highlighting the admission that was made to this committee a few weeks ago that um, we would not, in fact, be meeting uh, many, if not most, of our NDP goals by 2030 due to uh, capacity constraints um, and uh, just some general challenges that have stemmed from the maladministration, mismanagement, state capture, et cetera, et cetera. So there was the point in uh, slide six in the uh, PowerPoint from the presidency that uh, the government is working on a process uh, of reforms of, of SOEs. And what that made me think of was um, an announcement, uh, actually two announcements amongst others by the president in his SONA address this year, where I'll just quote them very quickly. The first was the president said that uh, Transnet will be asking for proposals from private partners for the Durban and Nuha uh, uh, container terminals. And apparently those partnerships are going to be in place by October this year. So we're watching whether or not that'll come to fruition. And then uh, shortly after that, there was the announcement that Transnet is starting a process of providing third-party access to the freight rail network. And what that uh, uh, makes me want to ask, because it links to to, to the notion of uh, um, of reform and and capacitation and improvements of the performance of SOEs, is whether the presidency could clarify or confirm um, whether the, this, this um, efforts of improving and capacitating and uh, reorienting SOEs is rooted in and has as its spearhead thrusts um, the pursuit and maximization of strategic uh, public-private partnerships public-private collaboration so we can turn around the SOEs and we can start seeing some innovation in the public sector and its entities because we know that capacity is low and likely declining. Resources certainly are declining. Uh, We know that many of our entities and SOEs are vulnerable to skills drain because the private sector often can outcompete them on, on salaries. Um, so if we can just get uh, a sort of clear uh, confirmation or clarification about the centrality 
of public-private partnerships and collaboration for SOE turnaround and public sector innovation and improvements in line with, with that stated objective that government is uh, in the process on reforms of SOEs to restore governance and to improve performance. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Ndouli and then Honorable Schreiber thereafter. No, 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 Chairperson. When I, I, when I raised my hands that time, I wanted uh, to sort of assist you uh, with what Honorable Maglua raised to say, uh, starting from Honorable Gondwe, they were already discussing the matter. That, 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 that's why my hand was up that time, Chairperson. I wanted to, to assist you. Thank you. Dr. Schreiber. Thank you, Chairperson. Just a few questions uh, on the presentation. And thanks very much indeed to the presidency for uh, being part of this process. Um, I think that uh, there is some use in, in this presentation. We, we see the coherence uh, and, and certain references like that. But I think the main question I'd like to ask is why the socioeconomic impact assessment didn't include the thing that I was looking forward to the most, which is an assessment of what it was likely to mean socioeconomically uh, if we are able to uh, enforce merit-based appointments in the public sector. So I think that that's something that's lacking. I'd like to get a comment from, uh, from the unit in terms of what would our prospects be as a country, socioeconomically speaking, if we are able to uh, improve the appointment process so that we appoint capable uh, and merit-based officials who then end up with a capable state. So um, just to check if there was any uh, investigation into that. Um, also, Chair, the, um, in terms of the basis, I think the, the, the unit has responded to the Zonda reports, but uh, really the basis is 1973 of, of the Constitution. I have a quick question also on the um, the, the, the uh, comment about the bill. In one sense, there's an argument that there's a duplication. Uh, in another sense, there's a uh, statement about the bill cohering with some of those reforms. Uh, the question then would be whether the unit uh, doesn't believe that uh, there is a comprehensive package of reforms when you look at this bill in uh, conjunction with some of the others. So these things are not in competition necessarily but that this bill specifically addresses the appointment element, while there are other bills that are addressing things like training and the other things mentioned, whether the unit uh, has a view on that and whether that's not the correct way um, to view uh, this, this uh, proposal, but also the, the whole package of reforms. And finally, Chair, just to say that in that vein, uh, I don't think that there's any suggestion and certainly want to clarify uh, of trying to prevent government from continuing with its own initiatives, as the bill says. Uh, in fact, I think there's a strong complementarity here. It's just that the appointment issue, uh, recruitment, merit-based appointment, is something that's not canvassed in other legislation. And so whether the unit has a view on whether there's a complementarity there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can I get a response? But I want to caution again. I, I, I said... What you have presented, uh, Dr. Schreiber, is not going to be debated today. 
it will be debated in the following meeting. And uh, I want to stick to that ruling. Can I get a response from presidency? But you must not be tempted to get into discussions about the presentation that Honorable Schreiber made. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Chair um, and uh, Honorable Members uh, for the questions that have been raised for clarity. Um, uh, With regard to the recommendations from the National Planning Commission uh, on the achievement of the NDP, uh, it's it's a very important information and uh, early warning um, in terms of um, the implementation of of the NDP. And it also shows um, the independence of the National Planning Commission uh, to provide early warning uh, to the administration to provide um, honest reflection of um, uh, the implementation of the NDP, but it shouldn't say that um, we should, uh, you know, fold our hands uh, because um, there is an early warning that uh, we might not achieve um, the NDP goals. And therefore, the early warning says uh, government uh, does an introspection and uh, accelerate the delivery of uh, of the priorities it shouldn't become the early warning shouldn't appear as um, something that has to demoralize us but uh, to fast track uh, and and to take forth uh, some of uh, the recommendations so that we improve that's the nature of uh, performance uh, management that's the nature of using um, research uh, to assist um, the administration uh, with decision making. So on the framework for the professionalization of the public service, um, it's uh, the framework is in advanced stage and uh, will go very soon to cabinet for approval uh, in terms of implementation. Uh, so um, it, it, it actually uh, deals with uh, ensuring that uh, We have a professionalized public service uh, where appointments are based uh, on uh, meritocracy and also uh, ethical uh, 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 public administration. And it also focuses on improving uh, the leadership uh, issues of governance and accountability because uh, this is a very instrumental uh, aspect of ensuring uh, performance uh, of institutions, uh, but also it considers issues around mainstreaming uh, gender empowerment of uh, youth and persons with disabilities and the importance of social compact and engagement with key stakeholders. So those are the key um, elements that goes with uh, this framework uh, to ensure that um, uh, we have a capable state that is ethical, but also developmental and through a partnership uh, with the society. Um, And uh, with regard to uh, issues around courses that are being offered by the National School of Government, I won't speak much on that colleagues uh, uh, from uh, 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 public service uh, uh, and administration will also assist on that. 
there was a concern that um, we raised that um, the, the bill was based on the testimony. The, it is also stated in the memo on objects of uh, the bill, and Dr. Schreiber has actually provided uh, updates on that. The other issue, when we talk about the comprehensive uh, approach to building a capable ethical uh, and developmental state, is not only uh, the law in terms of uh, fixing some of uh, the wicked problems, but there are soft issues that are very important in terms of you can have, uh, let's say, a, a well-experienced, skilled um, um, accounting officer, but uh, the environment might not be conducive in terms of uh, performance. Hence, um, there, there are amendments uh, that are done through the law to ensure that accounting officers are given also um, uh, uh, the, the, the functions uh, of managing the human resource. So you cannot have, for example, DG only responsible to manage uh, uh, the budgets but cannot touch human resource. These are two important resources for implementation of uh, the strategic goals of the department, but also the other environment uh, for conducive uh, performance require a mutual relationship between the political head and, and, and the accounting officer, but also the relationship with um, uh, political advisors. Uh, some um, a research indicated that sometimes you will get undue um, interference or instruction from political advisors. And this has to be managed uh, through proper mechanisms, through proper continuous trainings on clarity of roles and responsibilities. But there are also issues around systems, around processes, uh, around um, ethical behaviors that collectively has to be a comprehensive uh, approach in terms of ensuring uh, institutional performance. So it's not only about the law changing what needs to be done, but to consider soft issues. But also what we also encourage is not about focusing on an institution to deliver, but how does the institution deliver in a col collaborative uh, manner? as uh, uh, also included in chapter three of the constitutions that we don't only exist as individual, but how do we work together um, across the three spheres of government? Uh, how do we work together on uh, issues of common interest so that we are able to uh, deliver services uh, to our citizens? Um, then other issues uh, with regard to... Um, uh, the, the, the parallel part, uh, this is an acknowledgement that um, the bill uh, 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 kind of uh, aligned to what government is, is, is already working on. Uh, the, the, the issue in terms of um, the bills that are being initiated by government is that there are extensive consultation with the human resource, uh, because this laws touches human resource. And when you engage, you get new uh, ideas, you get new inputs. And also there is a process of buy-in uh, because um, the public service anticipate what is coming and prepare themselves uh, so that 
come uh, the bills being assented into law, there is efficient implementation. You don't have to deal with issues of change management or resistance because you would have consulted uh, the public servants uh, throughout uh, the process. Um, the other issues on um, on 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 SOEs, um, there are um, two aspects that I can talk to. Uh, uh, we're looking at the efficiency in terms of institutional arrangements. So there is a process that look into whether certain uh, SOEs has to be rationalized, have to be meshed. Uh, the, the rationale is to say how best do we reconfigure the ESOs is in order to um, uh, optimally deliver uh, services, address uh, the priority, the challenges that we have of poverty, unemployment, and uh, uh, inequality. So it's more about institutional uh, arrangements uh, for efficiency on delivery of services. But there is also other issues that deals with reforms with regard to, for example, the efficiency of uh, the work that they are doing at operational level, issues of uh, you know, doing away with uh, regulatory burdens, red tape, uh, so that we are able to maximize um, uh, the outputs that come uh, from some of our uh, key SOEs. So though there are those kind of uh, processes that are happening, uh, institutional reconfiguration and um, uh, efficiency at operational level. Um, so with, uh, I must indicate that uh, the limitation, Dr. Schreiber, with uh, the CS here is that in our system, departments that um, develop bills and policies are the ones that uh, complete the socioeconomic impact assessment template. We analyze. So now in this case, we didn't have uh, the CS report uh, from the custodian of this legislation. We had to do our own uh, analysis based on what uh, was uh, uh, given to us. So that's the difference in terms of how we do CS and how we have engaged uh, with the with the private uh, member bill. Um, so those are sub, uh, chair, some of uh, the comments and other uh, inputs uh, will come uh, from the presentations uh, coming from a, a, a DPSA as well as the Public Service Commission. Thank you very much, Chair and Honorable Members. Thank you very much. Can I now invite the presentation by the Department of Public Service and Administration? But before that, let me allow the, the, the Deputy Minister to, to give her opening remarks before the presentation. Thank you. Um, thank you once more, uh, Chairperson. Um, and uh, again, to acknowledge uh, members of the uh, Portfolio Committee, uh, the um, chairperson of the Public Service Commission, uh, the officials from Public Service Administration uh, and the presidency. And uh, Chair, to say that uh, for this morning, we will be presenting to you uh, the Public Service Amendment uh, Bill. Uh, I must actually say that it has been very interesting 
uh, listening to all these deliberations this morning, especially the comments that have actually been made uh, around the um, economic impact assessment of um, the bill, the private members bill by the presidency. And um, just to say that what actually um, just um, made me a little bit concerned is the spirit in which um, matters of this nature are actually uh, put before us. And um, I, I guess most of the time what, what matters is the, kind, the spirit that we actually utilize that will connect to the constitutional democracy uh, that we have. If you look at the constitution and the spirit of Ubuntu that is there, one wonders when we come into our meetings and have to have these deliberations as to whether we all the time consider what we have committed to as a country. And uh, the one thing that I want to actually just endorse is that uh, there is a challenge indeed, Chair, in terms of the interface uh, between the executive and the and the um, administration. Um, and uh, I think these are matters that need to be uh, taken care of. These are matters that um, need to be um, looked at when as we move forward in terms of legislative provisions that have to be made uh, to manage to uh, come up with a, a public service uh, that actually manages to really perform at the highest level because the people of South Africa are actually depending on us. And continuously there, there is also, um, I guess, I, should, I don't want, want to label it a feeling. Um, it, it's, it's utterances about uh, the interference that, that actually happens within government uh, that actually manages that that makes the work of the uh, of the um, that makes operations within government to be uh, a little bit difficult. But one other thing that is important that I think we are actually leaving out is the whole issue of uh, performance, because also in terms of uh, arrangements that we actually end up having within government, what's important is. Um, putting performance before everything else in order for us to, at the end of the day, to manage to meet uh, the needs of the very people that we are actually representing when we are in government. Um, my take is that when you look at most of senior management positions, they're no longer uh, performance uh, linked uh, in terms of the kind of contracts that are actually um, uh, developed for them. And these are some of the things that needs to, along the way, be taken into consideration. But coming back to the um, the bill that is supposed to be presented this morning, uh, Chairperson, uh, the bill considers uh, public service administration holistically looking at the high performance in public service. Uh, that meets the need, the basic needs of South Africans, maximizing the use of financing resources of the country, creating a people-centered, cohesive, synergized, uh, efficient, and effective public service. The bill also takes into consideration uh, what is currently muted as the future of work. The bill strengthens the pu uh, public service functions and structures 
to execute lawful practices as contemplated in section 197 of the constitution. Uh, the bill also considers uh, the intent to professionalize um, public administration uh, to ensure that uh, the values and principles contained in section 195 of the constitution are realized. Um, I just want to reiterate just the fact that the uh, framework for professionalization of public service has not been finalized. It's, um, uh, it's, it's still work in progress. The bill will improve the state's capacity by building systems, structures, processes, governance, instruments, technological and innovation that talks to smooth interface between the executive and uh, the heads of the, uh, of the departments. Chairperson, let me take this opportunity to um, request uh, the DG, Yolisa Makasi, to uh, present to us the Public Service uh, Amendment Bill. Yolisa, you can take the platform. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, if I may uh, just apologize, I'm using a different gadget and I'm unable to uh, to use the um, the, the the camera. So I don't. Uh, I request your permission not to show myself because the camera is not working on the laptop I'm using. Chairperson, I have uh, on standby. Uh, oh, firstly, good morning, Chairperson and the honourable members, uh, including uh, Deputy Minister as well as. Um, colleagues from um, uh, the Public Service Commission and the Presidency who, are, who have joined the meeting and DPSA colleagues. Uh, I have a colleague, uh, Renisha, Ms. Renisha, who's the Chief Director Legal, who's driving the process of the legislative amendments, who will be presenting as she's uh, preparing to present. I just want to highlight a few things as part of the introduction to the presentation that um, we, we have a process of, re we, we started a process of reviewing our regulations for the Public Service Act. We, 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 were, we, 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 we tried to wait and align the process of review of the current regulations with the Act and the amendments that are going to be done in the Act, but the amendment process is taking longer and therefore some of the issues that we are dealing with with the reviewer agent and therefore we have decided to go ahead. So a number of issues in the in the regulations we are looking at in terms of review, especially our HRM, um, uh, human resource management and development related regulations. Uh, also, we will be issuing the, the regulations under PAMA on ethics and, cor and, and corruption have been finalized, and we are going through processes to implement those regulations. Um, now, uh, in terms of the just a, a few things I wanted to highlight here, in the, the responsibilities for DPSA in terms of the NDP are carved very well in Chapter 13. And uh, various departments have responsibilities, but our responsibilities as DPSA are carved in that document in Chapter 13. And we haven't come to the committee as DPSA to indicate that we won't achieve our specific targets. We're working around the clock uh, on, on our specific DPSA targets in relation to the NDP. We could come back at the right time to brief the committee on those matters. 
on the professionalization of the public service. When I checked with the School of Government, the, the, the principal, he had indicated that they will be ready to submit uh, the framework uh, to cabinet for consideration during the month of June. It's a matter that we're following up. What we have done as DPSA is that we have already aligned our proposals on certain matters aligned to the professionaliz- on the amendment bill to the professionalization framework. Uh, because that framework provides a policy basis in relation to a lot of work that we want to do in professionalizing the public service. I am not sure if the Public uh, Service Commission has done the same uh, in terms of that alignment, because also other some issues around the role of the public service in terms of driving this meritocratic government, etc., are also um, uh, encompassed in the in the framework itself. So I'm not sure, but the Public Service Commission, it's an issue they can look at it if they haven't looked at that particular issue. On that note, Chairperson, I'm going to hand over to Ms. Renisha, who will uh, take the committee briefly through our amendment bill. This amendment bill was meant to have been submitted to cabinet to Parliament by the end of the previous financial year. However, that did not happen as planned because the consultations at the at the bargaining council have taken longer time than it was anticipated, and we still due to go through the network processes of consultation. So we have committed that the amendment bill should be um, we will push for it to be submitted before the end of this financial year to cabinet. I mean to Parliament. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Who said must come in, Yolisa? Uh, it's Renisha Chaperson. Okay, she must take the floor. Good morning. Um, good morning to the chair. Good morning to the members of the committee. Um, good morning, DM, DG's colleagues. Um, chair, if you don't mind, I'm going to switch my video off so it doesn't interrupt the network. Okay, you can switch it off. Who is that? Hey, Um so so chairperson and uh, and members of the committee, um the presentation that we are presenting today, uh we are trying to, to give the committee a sense of a process that we came to the committee in March of last year, uh, where we are with that process and how far we have taken the process and what we anticipate the process to be. So in that uh, light, we have provided some context, some progress, as well as we've highlighted some of the amendments that are taking place. Uh, Chair, with with your permission, um, when we started this process in March of last year, we, we came to the committee and we, we said we were going to draft uh, bills that were going to give effect to the National Development Plan and, um, and the professionalization work that was being undertaken. In that context, we looked at the bills from a very holistic perspective with our main goals focused on how these bills assist um, in, in service delivery. And when we talk about service delivery and public administration, we have to look at the four elements of, of the public administration. 
being the citizens and how citizens benefit from these bills, how government benefits uh, in terms of meeting its obligations, as well as how services themselves are rendered by the public servants. And our fourth element is the public service officials themselves. So we looked at all different areas as we dealt with these bills. Uh, as the DM has said, we looked at these bills holistically to take into account those four pillars that I mentioned. Um, and to that extent, I think DM has elaborated on what our intentions were with these bills. So I'm not going to repeat it. Um, Chair, in terms of progress that we've made, so we started this process in 2019. Um, we came to the committee and we, we gave a sense of what were the policy areas we were looking at for the amendment of the two bills uh, or the two acts, which was the Public Service Act as well as the Public Administration Management Act. Um, since our last engagement in March, we have drafted bills, um, and, and I'll talk to the content, but we have drafted bills. We've submitted it for public comment. It was published in the Government Gazette for public comment on the 6th of April. We had extensive uh, consultation processes on both these bills. Um, there were certain issues or certain requests for um, for longer periods for the consultations. In terms of the public consultation process, we extended it until the 21st of May where we were requested. Um, in terms of the comments we received, you'll see the numbers there. We had 13 institutions or persons giving comment on the Public Service Amendment Bill and about 19 on the Public Administration Management Bill. Uh, Chair, I want to emphasize that these look like 13 and 19 being small numbers, but they were in excess of 100 pages of comments. Um, so the, the bills were quite extensively canvassed publicly. Uh, in addition to the public consultation process, Chair, in terms of processing bills that have labor implications, we are required to consult with the Public Service Bargaining Council as well as the South African Local Government Bargaining Council because the Public Administration Management Bill affects uh, municipalities and local government. So there was a requirement also to consult at a local government level. Uh, in addition to this, Chair, as part of the processing of the bill, we are required to go to NEDLAC. Um, so at the moment, we are currently still in the bargaining councils. The minister has, there has been a request for, for more consultation to take place at the bargaining councils and that, uh, and that extension's been granted. We are currently in that process of, of dealing with those consultations. Uh, I think the, the committee will appreciate that these bills have labor implications and we must um, try and deal with these matters uh, in these councils as well and take into account those inputs. So, Chair, uh, our intention is to conclude these PSCBC and SALG-BC processes uh, shortly, uh, which will then allow us to go into the NEDLAC processes. Um, Chair, just with the understanding that the documents we or the areas we are canvassing today are subject to change. They are subject to within uh, the bargaining councils. Okay. We don't want to undermine 
those processes as well. So respectful of those processes, we are presenting these areas of amendment that are currently in these different bills. So Chair, on the Public Service Commission, uh, sorry, the Public Service Amendment Bill, um, there, are, uh, there are a few areas that we've highlighted. There are other technical amendments that are being done, but the main areas of, uh, that need to be brought to the attention of the committee at this stage is that the bill seeks to devolve administrative powers to a head of department, but we have, um, through these processes, also sought the objective of retaining strategic powers with relevant EAs. Um, the bill, in its, if, if you look at the draft, it's quite detailed uh, in terms of what powers are being devolved to HODs and what powers are being retained at a strategic level. Um, these bills are also taking into account checks and balances to ensure that the administration is not affected by these changes. Um, the, the second area of amendment is also, as the presidency has alluded to in their presentation, to augment the functions of the DG in the presidency to include functions that are envisaged by the National Development Plan for the DG in the presidency to play the role of administrative head of the public service. Uh, the first two bullets, chair and committee members, is to deal with the political administrative interface of um, that, that we spoke to earlier. The third amendment that's important to highlight is the role of the Public Service Commission in determining internal grievance procedures. Currently, the pr uh, procedures that are in the Public Service have been dealt with by the Public Service Commission and have been concluded through the bargaining processes. There was a requirement to clarify the role of the Commission so that the Commission is no longer responsible for the internal grievance procedures. However, the Commission retains its ability to deal with procedures that are required to be regulated for the um, submission of grievances to the Commission itself. So there's a delineation between internal procedures and procedures that employees will use to refer matters to the Commission. The fourth bullet chair uh, is, is again in keeping with the single public administration initiative where we have had to consider what was in the, South in the um, municipal systems amendment bill. Um, at the time we had redrafted during these processes, we had looked at the provision on the prohibition of um, employees holding political office. We uh, had aligned ourselves with the Municipal Systems Act, which was submitted to Parliament, which basically looked at municipal managers who were prohibited from doing business, um, sorry, pro municipal managers that were prohibited from holding political office. Um, so we, we, what we did was we aligned our amendment with that principle in mind, uh, but we have noted since that uh, the prohibition now extends to all employees, and it's something we will consider uh, to align with um, the municipal system. Chair, um, the last major amendment that the committee should note is that uh, Section 38 of the Public Service Act, or portion thereof, was declared unconstitutional. And the requirement is that we must amend that provision to ensure that it 
falls within the constitutional imperatives. To that extent, we have provided in the amendment bill a mechanism for departments to lawfully deduct overpaid remuneration from an employee's salary. As we did that process, we had to make sure that the provisions were clear enough to, to ensure that employees' rights were not eroded during that process. Uh, Chair, the second bill that is under amendment, or the second act that is under amendment, is the Public Administration Management Act. This act was promulgated in 2014, so it's a fairly new act. The provisions of this act have not been fully implemented, and uh, the reason it hasn't been is because some of the provisions in the Act have become difficult to implement. They also require regulations to some degree. To the extent that they need regulations, we have, as the DG has indicated, we have processed regulations and we are hoping to implement those regulations in the forthcoming financial year. But Chair, just to note that the amendments of the Public Administration Management Act address some of these legal challenges. Um, some of the provisions that we have included and we are, that are still under consideration at the bargaining councils is that we have made provision for transfers of employees in some sectors to be done without consent where it is in the public interest and operationally justified. Uh, to that extent, we have provided in the bills, which still, again, I want to reiterate a discussion between um, in the PSCBC and in the SALBC, we have distinguished between transfers in the public service, where we say that if there are employees being transferred within national and provincial governments, the, or departments, they can be transferred without consent if it's in the public interest. That's a provision that is currently in the Public Service Act itself, which we want to replicate in this Public Administration Management Act. And where there are transfers of officials between municipalities or between municipalities and the public service, then that will be done with the consent of employees, noting the different conditions of service that exist in these areas. Uh, the, the second amendment chair, uh, that, that we are looking to deal with is the removing of unintended consequences. This is particularly in relation to doing business with the state. So what we do is we clarify what we mean by the state. We also clarify concepts of what it means to be doing business with the state so that we don't have um, teachers, for example, who are required to mark exam papers being prevented from doing that. So, so the amendments are dealing with those technicalities. Uh, the, fourth, the third amendment chair is in terms of the National School of Government. When the Public Administration Management Act was passed in 2014, it created the National School of Government as a, an institution of higher learning, so under the Higher Education Act. Uh, through our processes and engagements with the National School of Government, we have determined that this provision is very difficult to implement in its current form. So the proposed amendment is for the National School of Government to be retained as it currently is as a national department. However, we are proposing to still retain the ability of the National School of Government to provide education and training to all spheres of government, which includes municipalities and public entities where public entities require or request 
that assistance. Uh, the next area of amendment, Chair, is the removal of unfair disparities or unjustifiable disparities in the public administration. And this is particularly in relation to remuneration and other conditions of service that exist across the public administration. That means between national government, provincial government, municipalities, and to some extent, we are also extending this pro, um, provision to public entities. Uh, as part of that process of removing unfair dis disparities in the public administration, we are also looking at provisions to regulate the mandating arrangements for collective bargaining in the public administration so that there is better coordination in those processes. So that work is still under discussion and underway. Uh, Chair, in terms of the way forward, uh, it is expected that, as I said, we will conclude the PSCBC and South BC processes shortly. And we are hoping that we will start the NEDLAC processes and conclude those NEDLAC processes by the 30th of September 2022, which will then allow us to finalize those bills and submit it to Parliament by the fourth quarter of the 2022-2023 financial year, which is this year. Thank you very much, Chair, DG. Thank you. DG coming. Thank you, Chair. I am good with the presentation. I have no further comments. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Can I now allow honorable members to, to discuss this presentation? Can you do that by show of hands? I see Honorable Schreiber's hand is up. Can you take the platform, Honorable Schreiber? Thank you, Chair, and uh, very, uh, thank you very much for the presentation as well. Uh, just one question on the proposal there regarding uh, the prohibition on uh, political office bearers from being employed as HODs or DGs, so as heads of department. Um, if you look at the Municipal Systems Amendment, uh, they initially started at municipalities a few years ago with also um, only prohibiting the senior managers from holding political office. But there were some problems that arose with that because then you had more senior political officials lower down in the administration who were actually uh, interfering with the work of the more senior officials who were not members of political parties. And that's one of the reasons that's motivated the recent amendment which has actually expanded this prohibition uh, to all uh, workers, all employees in municipalities. And I think that's something that's been widely welcomed also in the National Assembly. So my question is, uh, why would this amendment not also uh, extend the prohibition on political office bearers from working in the public administration throughout the entire levels of public administration? Why only limit it to the heads of departments or directors general, especially given, first of all, the experience in municipalities that shows that this creates new problems. And secondly, also uh, the recent amendment, which would be quite unfair then on some other uh, uh, officials who are prohibited 
while leaving open the door for lower level officials in the public administration. So you create a discrepancy. Isn't it more, more reasonable, practical, logical to actually similarly pro prohibit political office holders from being employed throughout the public administration entirely? Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Dr. Schreiber. I don't see any other hands want to uh, raise questions. I will therefore allow now the department to respond to Honorable Schreiber's question. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, I'm going to hand it back to um, Renisha to uh, respond about um, what um, Dr. Schreiber is actually articulating to as the uh, discrepancies with the Municipal Services Amendment Bill, so that she can actually give that clarity. Thank you, DM. Um, uh, Honorable Schre uh, Member Schreiber, um, when we started this process of amending the legislation, we, we, we were very cognizant to align with what is in the municipal space because that's, that's what the single public administration initiative required of us. Um, when, as we considered these matters, I think one of the difficulties we have in, in, the, in this space is to ensure that we don't erode constitutional um, prerogatives of, of people. Um, we have, initially we started and, and we aligned with, if you look at the bill that was submitted by, um, by COCTA in terms of the Municipal Systems Act, um, there was a provision to, to limit it to municipal managers and um, those members reporting directly to municipal managers. So as we went through the process, we then engaged on what was justifiable in terms of a limitation on the constitutional rights of people. And, and one of the elements we looked at was what then are obligations of employees in, in their respective roles. And we looked at what was the obligation of an HOD and how that would conflict if that HOD held political office. And political office is also a limited definition. Um, we have since uh, been advised through the, the processing of the Municipal Systems Act that that provision has been um, extended to all employees. So we will, as part of this process and our further engagements, continue to engage on that matter to, to ensure that there is alignment with what is in the municipal system space. But again, we are very cognizant of the constitutional imperatives that we must be careful of. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there no, oh, I can see now there's a hand up from uh, Honorable Mkweba. Honorable Mkweba, take the floor. No, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, if the problem is that it's very difficult to engage to these reports, now that you have said the first presentation will be debated or discussed in the next meeting. But however, Chair, one, let me also appreciate the progress uh, report by the DPSA and have 
few two questions to the department. Firstly, is the I want my interest is which group between individuals and institutions? Because they've said uh, the um, true public um, uh, hearings or true public uh, comments. There were groups and individuals who participated uh, to the bill. So my interest is that my question is that uh, between the individuals and institution, which ones had more interest to comment on the bill? And uh, what is the conclusion based on their interest? Is it because the amendments will help individuals or the system of governance or both? So that's the first question. And the second question on the way forward on the to the document, they spoke about the PSCPC. And uh, we understand the, the, the bill was first presented to the PSPC on the 5th May 2021. So my question, Chair, is that um, since then the bill was presented on that uh, uh, month of May 2021, and we understand the negotiations are still continuing. Do they think that uh, they are on track and the bill will be tabled on time to Parliament? for further processing. Those are the two questions, Chair. But however, I think um, one must note that uh, you have said um, all the discussions will be then um, will be then uh, done in the next meeting, which is, I, I understand, that will be between July and August. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mkwaba. The reason, uh, honorable members, I say, we must not discuss today. You have received the presentation from honorable Dr. Schreiber. I want you to, to study that presentation. And then in the next meeting, you engage effectively with what uh, Dr. Schreiber has presented to, to the committee. That's the only reason. Uh, if there is no other person who want to raise question, can I allow uh, the department to respond? Um, thank you, Chair. I'm going to, the question is requiring detail that, um, relates to the process when we took the document out for for input. And I'm going just to ask Renisha to just give, give a high level around some of the organizations that had made um, uh, comments and the number of individuals as well, and then how we, how we process those uh, into the document, if there's any of those that had come through out of that process that finally found expression in the document. I don't know if, um, Renisha, you can be able to think about that uh, at the moment, but I'd, I'd just like you to, to try and, and give a broader view on that, on that question. Take the floor, Renisha. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, DG. Um, the, the comments came uh, largely from organized labor, from provincial administrations, as well as public sector um, institutions like the Helen Sussman Foundation, etc. 
Um, I think the, the, the overall picture of the, of the inputs was largely supportive to the drive to amend these pieces of legislation. Um, there were suggestions on how the bills could be made better, which some of the suggestions we have incorporated into the bill. Uh, largely, some of them were technical, some were policy driven, and we have then looked at our policies to that, uh, to that extent that it required. So, Chair, in, in a nutshell, I think the, the comments were very supportive to this process. There was uh, general buy-in on, on the amendments. Um, our challenge is to process them through these processes that are required. Um, and to answer maybe, DG, the second question on the uh, on how on whether we envisage that we will uh, table these bills into Parliament this year, uh, we have already engaged with NEDLAC on the process. So NEDLAC is aware that we are bringing these bills to them. We have requested an ex expedited process at NEDLAC. Uh, but again, that's not to undermine the NEDLAC processes. Uh, we will try our best to get these processes uh, concluded. If we are able to, and which we expect to do by September, then we are for certain going to bring these bills into Parliament in this year. The plan as it stands is on track, so we are confident that the bills will come to Parliament in this financial year. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much. We will now get, uh, invite the the Public Service Commission, and I will allow uh, Professor Fikeni to to make his opening remarks before the presentation is made. Uh, Professor, you can take the floor now. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, Honorable Members, for this opportunity to make some preambling remarks on the PSC bill. We've been working on this bill, and before I even say that, let's convey our gratitude and thanks to the Portfolio Committee under your leadership for having expedited the appointment of commissioners into the national office. We now finally have the three new commissioners who have been appointed by parliament and the presidency did actually finalized the process. They started, uh, Professor Makanya, who is in attendance, started last week. We also appreciate the fact that out of those commissioners, three, I mean, two are women and one is a man. That affirmation and the issue have always raised that the bias was always towards men. We now have that one remaining commissioner that still has to be filled in the national office. In the same vein, we should say, whilst you did your part, there was a delay of two months, which was quite inexplicable before we could receive 
the, the, the appointment of these commissioners, something that in future we should look into if we're talking about PSC's independence with no hindrance. I just want to say before I invite Commissioner Boshoff, who has been asked and tasked to work on the PSC bill, having led that process, working with Commissioner Cesani and consulting widely with DPSA with different relevant stakeholders. I want to say we will come and go in the roles that we occupy, whether we are commissioners of the PSC or members of this portfolio committee. But future generations will ask, when we observed the weaknesses in the institutions of public service, what did we do? And was our intervention impactful? Was it timely? And therefore, that in itself, I think, is the context within which we should be looking at this priority that government has put as the building of a capable ethical developmental state. The current policy reforms that have been presented here from the presentation by Dr. Schreiber to the presentation on the impact assessment by the presidency and the presentation by PSA attest to a number of policy reforms which are meant to help with the building of a capable state. But I think is most important is how do we put all these pieces of the puzzle and not use the fact that they are here, all of them, as a reason for further delay. PSC bill is meant to simply give the real and true meaning to its constitutional mandate, being that autonomous entity. Because we did say this to the meeting with the Speaker of Parliament and her team. We did say this committee to say there are major contradictions on the PSC being expected to exercise this oversight or this role which is mandated in Chapter 10 of the Constitution, but at the same time being constrained by being under, uh, you know, the supervisions of departments not being treated the same way as the other commissions. There are major inherent contradictions there. This bill is meant to deal with just that so that one day we are not challenged by a private citizen who will go to the constitutional court and say APCT is not constitutional. This is a preemptive move, but an end one. Also to give to what PSD can do rather than the current situation where recommendations are ignored. And uh, 
to me, I just want to appreciate all presentations that have been made and, and simply say we should find a way of sequencing them, appreciating their complementarity. And I now invite Commissioner Boshoff to just make a high-level presentation on the PSC bill and the work that has been done so far, hoping that you will assist in making sure that this is a priority bill rather than the one that takes too long in an interregnum where the old takes too long to die and the new takes too long to be born. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Professor. Uh, Commissioner Boshoff, you can take the floor. Uh, <clears throat> good morning, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, uh, Deputy Minister, uh, and all uh, staff members. Um, I think that the purpose of, of today's presentation, Honorable Chairperson, is just to, to update the Portfolio Committee on the progress we have made with regards to the draft PSC bill. Um, I'm, I'm just going to provide a high-level summary, and then I'm going to request the Director General of the OPSC just to, to go through the presentation that is currently on your screen um, uh, in, in, in more detail. Um, but with regards to the progress that, that we've made, the Public Service Commission started with this process in, in, in 2014. And uh, let me also indicate that the honorable members who have already spoken this morning have actually made my life uh, very easy because everything we want to achieve in, in the draft bill have been raised by, by the honorable members. Uh, they've addressed our frustrations. They've addressed the, um, the challenges that, that we have identified with regards to our independence. And uh, it, we have attempted in the draft bill to, to address all of those. So in, in 2014, having studied the, um, the Kaida Osmal report, um, where it was clearly stated that um, being supported by a national government department has the potential of the PSC's independence being compromised. It was earlier also referred to by, by honorable members. Um, more recently, the same challenge was also identified in the uh, National Development Plan. Um, and the, the intention is then obviously to, to address uh, that by, by creating a secretariat for, for the Public Service Commission. Uh, where we will be supported by our own administration, headed by a chief executive officer, and, uh, and not by um, a department, a national government department, headed by director general, that is, uh, as is the case at, at the moment. So, honorable members, the, the main focus of the bill is basically to, re to repeal the Public Service Commission Act of 1997, and to replace it with something completely new that addresses all these challenges, frustrations, et cetera. Uh, and then ultimately to create a secretariat for the Public Service Commission, as I've already mentioned. But we would also like to strengthen uh, the, the remedies that are available to the Public Service Commission uh, to ensure that it ex executes it, 
its mandate as was intended in the constitution. Then also very importantly, honorable members, in, in 2011, the National Assembly took a resolution that the, the mandate of the Public Service Commission should be extended to also include local government and public entities. We have, we have considered that. We have included that, uh, that uh, uh, instruction of the National Assembly in our draft bill. And that is something that we will de debate uh, further. Now, honorable members and honorable chair, we have con concluded uh, almost all processes leading up to finally submitting the bill uh, to cabinet. We have, we have finalized the cab memo, the draft bill. The draft bill was submitted to the chief state law advisor on, on two occasions. We've incorporated the inputs. We have finalized the business case. Uh, a business, uh, I, I heard the presidency earlier referred to the business case of, of, of the Public Service Commission. There is a comprehensive business case available and they can perhaps, uh, we, we will share that with uh, uh, Ms. Corlett. And then we've also finalized the socioeconomic impact assessment and a certificate has also been issued by, by President. We met of service and administration the 18th of May. The process with supporting documents uh, was well received. And they asked before to request the Director General of the Office of the Public Service Commission to, to, to present the, the, the presentation. It also indicate, and we are very excited about this, um, we, on 26th of May, we received a letter from the Speaker of the National Assembly confirming that a letter was received from the leader of uh, government business, the, the Deputy President, um, in which he informed her that uh, Cabinet took a resolution on the 11th of May that the um, proposed bill will now be include, included in the 20. 22 uh, legislative program. So we, we have um, uh, for now finalized our process. We have submitted all the documentation. It is with the minister, acting minister of public service and, and administration. Uh, it is our um, hope that um, the cabinet memo will be tabled before cabinet as soon as possible. Uh, where after we can start with uh, the processes um, of tabling it uh, to, to the portfolio committee, going through all the consultation processes, uh, etc. With your permission, Honourable Chairperson, I'm now going to request um, the Director General, Advocate Dinki Dube, just to take Honourable Members through the detailed presentation. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. You can take the floor, Dinki. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson and members of the committee, Deputy Ministers, Commissioners, and colleagues for the opportunity. As Commissioner Boshoff has said, the presentation is really meant to update the committee on where we are with regards to the Public Service Commission Bill. By way of an overview of the presentation, we thought we should just touch a little bit on the background where we come from with the PSC bill and why it's important that we amend the current legislation 
We'll also talk to you about our institutional practice review, which resulted in a very comprehensive business case, as Commissioner Boshoff has said, and also talk to the proposed amendments of the legislation, many of which you've already had uh, through um, the, the meeting uh, today. We will also just uh, reflect some of the comments we've received from our sister uh, department, the DPSA, which was uh, then amended uh, in, in, into the effected into the bill, and as well as where we are with regards to the social economic impact assessment process, as well as uh, reflect on the key milestones to date since the drafting process has started. I'm not going to dwell much on the background because I believe Commissioner Boshoff has covered it. What is important, Chair, is to indicate that, as it has already been said earlier, that the Public Service Commission is the only constitutional body that is currently supported in terms of secretariat by a national government department. And so this current institutional framework renders the effectiveness as well as independence of the PSC quite a, a, a challenging chair. We've already had the need um, earlier on to have its own secretariat to ensure that it operates at an arm's length from the, 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 the government. So what then has happened is that the PSC embarked on a project, institutional practice review project, which really looked at the current institutional framework to explore ways in which that can be strengthened. That resulted in a business case. It is quite comprehensive, which then of course, um, also the, the process of drafting the Public Service Commission bill comments in earnest in 2020. The primary objective of the bill is really to ensure that the PSC has its own secretariat. As part of that, a number of benchmarking studies were done with other chapter nine bodies, for example, your human rights commission, your gender commission, which as a constitutional entity, um, they've got their own secretariat and not supported by a um, government department. And as part of repositioning of the PSC, it is important to ensure that it is effective in executing its constitutional mandate. So what are really the areas of focus in the bill? The first one is, of course, will be to repeal the current Public Service Commission Act and replace it with a new legislation. We'll also ensure that the PSC is able to operate independently and as an impartial constitutional body with its own secretariat. We believe that this will in, in improve our efficiencies in terms of the impact we want to have in the public service and the public administration. What is also important, as Commissioner Boshoff has said, is that the mandate of the PSC will also be extended to municipalities and public entities. Committee members will know that currently the PSC is only mandated to conduct investigations within the national and the the provincial departments only. So with regards to what we foresee and uh, um, the, the, the objectives of the bill is to ensure that the Public Service Commission is listed as a constitutional in institution in terms of Schedule 1 of the PFMA. 
because it is currently the only public uh, constitutional body that is not uh, listed in, in the PFMA. Of course, the, the chair has spoken about uh, ensuring that uh, we have more teeth. And so with regards to the bill, we envisage that uh, our enforcement mechanism will be improved when we look at um, the um, institutional framework that is currently hampering the effectiveness of the PSC. A part of the bill is also to then ensure that the conditions of service of commissioners is aligned with the determination of remuneration of public office bearers as clarified in the PSC Act, because currently commissioners, the conditions of service are determined via the um, MPSA and they are aligned to the, uh, the public service uh, um, regulation. That too is also an area that needs to be corrected because if you look at all the other constitutional bodies, the um, office bearers, the conditions of service are determined in terms of the um, determination of remuneration of public office bearers. And so what are the proposed legislative amendments? Uh, primarily, as we've said, is to establish a secretariat for the Public Service Commission. It will then replace the current Office of Public Service Commission, which is a national government department, and ensure that the PSC executes its mandate fully as an independent and impartial constitutional entity. So the OPSC, which is the national government department, will then have to be removed as a, as a government department in terms of uh, the Public Service Act and the um, human resources uh, in terms of the transitional arrangement will then um, ensure that they are transferred into the new secretariat of the Public Service Commission. Of course, we, we um, envisage the mandate to be extended because if members would um, uh, recall section 195 of the constitution, the constitutional values and principles apply to public administration and the PSC is mandated to promote the CVPs. However, insofar as investigations are concerned, the mandate of the uh, PSC is only limited to national and provincial um, government. What we have listed here are those proposed legislative amendments that will not only deal with the constitution of the commission, the process of appointment, the acting chair has already spoken about what then happens administratively after the parliament has done the interviews, would want to ensure that in future, the delays that then happened are hopefully averted. And of course, the establishment of the PSC Secretariat would need to put in place proper transitional arrangements with regards to the current employees of the um, OPSC. We have uh, received comments from the DPSA in the various drafts um, of the bill, and uh, mainly the one uh, the comment that the, the, the DPSA has um, provided to us was uh, to ensure that the employees of the commission, the newly formed secretariat, their conditions of service are still determined in line with the public service determinations, which of course we agree with that. We are mindful of as well of the escalating uh, wage bill, as well as to ensure that there is parity across public administration. The second one was uh, to ensure that uh, the 
officials that are currently appointed in terms of the Public Service Act will then be in future be appointed in terms of the new Public Service Commission Act because they will form part of the Secretariat. I've already um, touched on, on the issue to ensure that the conditions of service of um, commissioners are determined um, in the same manner as other public office bearers. Insofar as the social economic impact assessment uh, process, when we started the drafting um, of the bill process, we engaged with the presidency and uh, they've advised that, that the SEAS process is, must be completed in two phases. The stage one is really at the beginning of the bill as my colleague from presidency had alluded to earlier. However, in respect of the PSC bill, because a comprehensive business case had already been done, we have then been granted an exemption to um, the stage one of the SEAS. So we are now at the stage two uh, process to complete the social economic impact assessment. What we have reflected uh, here, Chair and the committee members, is the various key milestones and activities that we have undertaken in respect of the drafting of the bill, commencing from uh, uh, in, in 2020 with the meetings, various consultations with the minister, of public administration, the DM. Of course, internally, we had our own internal workshop. We throughout the year of 2021, we also had quite a number of engagements with the ministers at different intervals as we were continuing to update the, the bill. Perhaps it is important to highlight uh, from uh, this financial year what uh, has uh, happened. We have received the pre-certification from the Office of the Chief State Law Advisors that was in January 2022, where they uh, indicated the overall support of the bill. They have uh, suggested many minor amendments, which we have already uh, effected into the current uh, bill. We've also had uh, meetings with uh, the MPSA after having uh, updated the bill um, with uh, the comments from the chief state law advisors. And in the meeting of the 24th of March, 2022, the then minister had then uh, requested us to really expedite the, the process and ensure that we start drafting cabinet memo and ensure that uh, all the necessary annexures are prepared for submission to the minister so that then the legal services of the department has also an opportunity to give their input. Uh, the uh, commissioner has already indicated as well that uh, the commission had an opportunity to also meet with the speaker and the deputy speaker of the National Assembly in April, in which the speaker had indicated that the bill needs to be included in the list of legislative program for this current financial year, of which we can confirm that that has subsequently been done. We, of course, have prepared the, 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 the documents for the MPSA with a view to tabling the draft bill to cabinet that was um, in April. And we have been engaging with the DG, DPSA and colleagues and we still are waiting, of course, the comments to ensure that the, um, the, the minister is happy and is provided go ahead for, for it to be tabled to, to cabinet. 
We've also heard earlier about the role that is envisaged of the PSC in terms of the National De- Development Plan. Of course, on the 10th of May, we um, had an opportunity to meet with the National Planning Commission, and it, it, it reiterated its support of the PSC bill to really deal with the issue of independence of the Public Service Commission. The chair, we subsequently also had an opportunity to brief the current acting minister of MPSA, and he's also provided uh, um, his support and uh, the need to ensure that uh, the tabling to cabinet is expedited. On the 25th of May, we received uh, approval from the presidency and the the CES unit for the bill to be tabled uh, to the cluster. And as Commissioner Boshoff has said, we've also been informed that the cabinet has approved for the deputy president as leader of government business to really oversee the processing of the bill so that we ensure that it is expedited. This is what we envisage chair will then take place once you know we've gotten cabinet approval for the processes of tabling of the bill. As a way forward, Chair, it is um, really for the PSC to um, request the guidance and support of the Portfolio Committee in moving forward to this bill, as uh, our anticipation is that uh, this should be finalized by the end of this financial year. Thank you very much, Chair. That brings me to the end of the presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I will now allow honorable members to raise hand. I can see honorable Nduli's hand is up. Honorable Nduli, take the floor. Thank you, Chairperson. And one would love to, to welcome the presentation of this uh, of the Public Service Commission bill. Um, safe to say, Chair, the, 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 this amendment bill is seeking to address a lot of issues that have been raised by this portfolio committee. And without a much to say one would wish the this the public service uh, commission bill a happy birthday without any hindrance or any blockages and today i think i must uh, correct myself i i i I recall that I would always ask a public service commission about their teething. It was clear that uh, they were not going to, to have any teeth without the birthday of this uh, bill. 
that is the that is the long and short of what I wanted to say, and hoping that uh, really before the end of the year we are going to to see the fruits uh, of of of, of this uh, this progress as a professor alluded to on the delays in most uh, 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 circumstances. Uh, Good luck, uh, Public Service Commission, with the bill. Thank you. Honorable Mbele, take the floor. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, um, and thank you to the Public Service Commission for their presentation. Um, I'm going to give the preface that my question is a provocative and challenging one. So the um, the respondent from the PSC must uh, um, just be ready for that. But it's a thought that occurs to me. Now, I, I, I know that um, across sectors of society, we have different perspectives and outlooks and paradigms as to how processes and approaches should be. So mine is a um, alternative, uh, uh, alternative one that I know challenges the orthodoxy. And it was triggered by the explanation of the the process that's been followed so far in terms of this uh, uh, draft bill by the PSC. In particular, there was this notion of awaiting and receiving approval in order for the bill to be processed through the cabinet cluster mechanisms and to be tabled before cabinets. Now, that I found a bit jarring because of the nature of the PSC as a uh, as a chapter. Uh, sorry, not, not chapter. Is it chapter nine? No, chapter nine. But it, its nature as as an independent institution that stands above and separate from the executive and the normal sort of architecture of of government. Um, Just to very quickly quote uh, section uh, 196, uh, subsection 5 of the Constitution dealing with the PSC, which says, the commission is accountable to the National Assembly. And linked to that as a secondary issue is the fact that the the National Assembly appoints, appoints PSC commissioners. Now, I understand the need for and the importance of consultation, harmonization uh, within the framework of cooperative governance. But I'm just wondering what was the obstacle or the hurdle for the PSC to do their own internal thinking, brainstorming, um, and uh, uh, strategic uh, outlay of what they need and, and the reforms that would assist and, and maximize their efforts 
and then and then simply bringing this bill to the committee and to parliament. Table it, get it processed. Again, I don't want to uh, negate the importance and the need and the value of consulting with the executive um, and and uh, cross-checking and cross-referencing implications with other departments or whatever the case might be. But I'm just worried. It, it gives me anxiety when what are meant to be independent institutions that are monitoring and advising and giving direction to departments and to the executive seeming to subsume themselves to the normal protocols and processes that should not and officially, constitutionally, do not constrain them. So I know that that's a challenging question to the orthodoxy of how things tend to work uh, um, in our state architecture, but I just want to sort of pinpoint and highlight that as a problematic sort of paradigm. Uh, the PSC could have, and I would say should have, been able to get this processed uh, and 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 uh, taken to completion a lot quicker if there wasn't this sort of preemptive deference to the executive, which they are in no way obliged to, to, to follow. Thanks, Chairperson. Uh, thank you, thank you, honorable members. We we now going to deal with the that was the the comment, honorable Bele, or uh, were you expecting a response? Let me check with you first. Uh, Chairperson, I, I would appreciate a response, but as I said, I know it's a, a challenging and unorthodox ones for 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 uh, you know in in our current milieu. I would appreciate one as best as they can, but I thought okay. it was an important okay. uh, high level point to make. Okay, let me let me allow them to respond then. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I, I, I just want to respond rather directly uh, before Commissioner Boshoff comes in here to what I think it's a provocative and a rhetorical question, but a necessary one. The PSC, according to the Constitution, is appointed by Parliament and accounts to Parliament. Putting the same question differently, One, the context matters. We are appointed and we account to this august body. And we find certain arrangements, such as the presidents will sign the appointment, the processing by DPSA, and so forth. I wonder if it would not have been the parliament to which we account, which would have initiated some of the measures to say we would want the appointments of the commissioners to go straight to the presidency for signing and, uh, you know, taking effect. The same parliament would say we would want the PSC not to be called in to present 
on matters that may affect the same department, DPSA, and be made to sit there and pronounce on those issues. And whether the parliament wouldn't have had a greater muscle to approach the president, the speaker, and others to say, this current arrangement has its own challenges rather than the PSC in a corner trying to craft and rearrange this institutional arrangement. Because I get, uh, um, I think the parliament has greater clout than those who are appointed by parliament and account to parliament. So to me, even the arrangements that we normally have every time we come to present, sometimes on the state of public sector, and sometimes on issues that affects the very same department that we're invited to present under. We're invited into the same meeting. And sometimes we've even had, you know, the situations where we are told these are the entities of the department and we try to correct that. So I do think that uh, it might just help for parliament to give guidance and engage with the executive and so forth with us. We had to consult with the department. We had to consult, uh, you know, with the various stakeholders because of the complementary roles which are there. And I'm sure our Honorable Deputy Minister and colleagues will assist in that sense because some of these arrangements, we find them already there. And some of the proclamations by the Cabinet on what should happen are already there. And some of the protocols are already there. So to me, I do think that it's a bit awkward <laughs> to put this to... Uh, the PSC itself, PSC had to do its best within the context it inherited. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Boshoff. Can you come in? Chairperson. Chairperson. Was that now? Uh, yes. Uh, DM, it's DM, a follow uh, Deputy Minister. Yes, I just wanted to, make to a follow up. Yes, follow through on a point that has just been made by uh, the chairperson of the uh, the eighteen chairperson of the Public Service Commission. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Which, which is something that is important in terms of actually giving some kind of uh, clarity and direction. Um, uh, that relates to the discussions that we are actually having now. Because even with the presentation itself, when one was actually looking at it, one could actually have this sense of um, discomfort and and, and uh, sense of a little bit of, a, of, of confusion as to how to actually place this. But let me just indicate that up until now, uh, the department has actually been responsible for the, for the bill. Uh, working jointly with the Public Service Commission because of the kind of arrangement that we've got now that is actually guided by the Public Service Act. And uh, lately then, uh, what is understood is that maybe the bill must actually be 
handled solely by Public Service Commission, which will actually leave us with a situation uh, that may not be desirable. Uh, and it may not be desirable for um, matters that have actually been clearly articulated by the acting chairperson. If we come to the conclusion that the Public Service Commission reports to Parliament, which is which was what was not the case up until now, because we know that uh, Parliament is responsible for um, Chapter Nine institution, that is institution supporting democracy, even if. Public Service Commission is supporting democracy, is actually doing it in a different chapter of the constitution. So if that is the case, then it means the sponsor of the bill should then therefore be the Speaker of Parliament. But for now, I think looking at the current arrangement, the current system that we've got, the sponsor will continue to be the Minister of Public Service and Administration until such time that the competency has actually been extended to the other side. And, and the, uh, for, for me, this is my understanding of it. And um, in terms of the processes also, uh, I think this is why there's, there's been confusion. Then you hear that uh, there's been contact with uh, the office of the speaker. There has been a contact with the leader of uh, um, government business. Uh, when in actual fact, there is um, um, uh, the uh, bill making processes that are actually known and acknowledged uh, because bills should actually come from cabinet uh, to, into parliament through the leader of government business. This is the process that is actually embarked on when, it, when a bill comes into, par in, into parliament. And then from the office of the speaker, then it will go to the chair of chairs and then it goes to the committees. So basically, I think what we what is important, which we will do moving forward, would be to sit down with the uh, Public Service uh, Commission so that we actually together craft a better way forward so that our approach shouldn't be something that is um, a little bit scattered like it is now. Um, and I think it will be helpful, especially also um, to uh, bring closer to us uh, the uh, state law advice office, because when it comes to the legal expertise and technicalities, uh, this is the institution that we are currently depending on in terms of crafting this bill, uh, because there is a lot that needs to be taken into consideration legislatively uh, as we actually make amendments so that we don't make amendments that are actually finally going to put us in a position where we find that things are a little bit difficult because of the kind of bill that we've actually finally come up with. And also to look at, in terms of consultations as to whether we have actually thoroughly consulted on the bill, we need to be conscious of that. And I'm sure even the portfolio committee itself will be interested in that um, as to whether we will have consulted enough. And, um, and, and I'm sure even labor itself will be very much interested uh, in the bill and the outcome of the bill. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, DM. I see there's a hand up. I don't know whose hand is that. Or oh, is Professor Fiken? Professor Fiken, can I allow you to? Yes. Well, yes. I do think that it might help honorable chair and honorable members uh, 
Honorable Deputy uh, Minister and uh, colleagues from DPSA to give the context to why we had a meeting with the Speaker of Parliament. Speaker of Parliament said, I'm new. I want to understand the PSC better. And PSC said, we also need guidance on our interface with Parliament because at times, there was a time we were called by different portfolio committees and one time by Scopa to come and present. And we were told that's not how it should be. So that meeting was arranged. We met and she also said we need to present on this proposed bill for her to understand better and her colleagues to understand better. It was not in any way to undermine the existing protocols, but as an entity that is written down as accounting to parliament, mindful of the current PSC uh, legislative uh, you know, uh, 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 condition and prescripts. We met and we also reported to the minister of DPSA or the MPSA, the acting minister to say, we have such a meeting and we also indicated we had such a meeting. We also reported to the portfolio committee as well to say we had such a meeting because here, in our accounting to parliament, there was this confusion. Unless it says our accounting to parliament will be mediated by the department itself, and therefore we should not have an interface with any of the committees of parliament without having to get the mandate from the department. So that is to me the understanding we're working very well with the department and the ministers. We always interface with them, understanding our complementary roles. But it might as well be that this is a critical point and the crossroads on how we should be guided in the processes. Similarly, the parliament, when they say they appoint commissioners, there is part of that protocol, the processing that takes place, including the ones of taking people for security clearance and so forth. There seem not to be clear guidance on where this is taking place. Hence, you sometimes have the delays of two months. And in some instances, a delay, I think I'm told, was even longer. So to me, guidance between the role players the parliament, the department, the presidency will be of great assistance. We're willing, we are able to cooperate with any of the key role players, including our portfolio committee here. But left unguided though, we will forever have challenges. Do we do this or don't we do this? Do we do that or don't we do that? But we did point out to the committee, honorable members, and to the speaker, and to the minister, and uh, the DPSA, 
on the inherent contradictions for an entity that investigates sometimes grievances from departments and the same entity through the current act and arrangement being subjected to the same departments and hoping that you'll have unfettered independence. It's just those inherent contradictions which are in tension with the Constitution and what the framers of the Constitution intended to see. Various reports from your Kada small report, Dr. Mapai's reports, the professionalization document, the NDP, are repeating exactly the same thing. So in talking about building an ethical capable state, it is one of the things that we cannot avoid. Thanks. Uh, thank you, uh, Professor. I see that Yoli uh, Somakas's hand is up. Uh, this is the time of response. Yoliswa, thank what you, is Chair. it that you wanted to raise? Oh, thank you, Chair. I just wanted to follow up on Professor Somatoda to say that I, I think it's urgent and I want to support the view that there must be this clarification of roles and responsibilities because he keeps on mentioning DPSA. DPSA only gets involved on a, a commission issues. Now, DPSA is a department when there's a referral from president, from presidency, like the appointment of the commissioners, parliament wrote to the presidency, the presidency referred to, the, to, 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 to MPSA, and of course, the MPSA might, must get the support of the, of the department in respect to that. So our response as a department has been in support to the MPSA in respect to these roles and responsibilities. So I think it's important that that clarity is, is, is sought so that the MPSA is also aware of uh, his roles and responsibilities in relation to uh, to the to the PSA, so I'm standing to agree with the with the acting chair of the commission that I think it's an issue, it's an urgent issue that uh, requires attention. Uh, Commissioner Boshoff. Um. Uh, thank you again, Chair. Um, I, I, I just wanted to respond to uh, the question raised by Honorable Mbele. Um, there was indeed a lot of internal thinking that, that took place, uh, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Uh, a lot of consultation uh, took place, initiated by the Public Service Commission, with various role players. And all the section, or rather all the Chapter 9 institutions were uh, consulted, uh, the uh, DPSA, uh, National Treasury, um, uh, uh, even the Office of Institutions Supporting Democracy in, in, in Parliament, um, all those institutions were consulted when we started with the process of drafting uh, this bill. Um, uh, and, 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 the, and the product that that we are that we are that we've submitted to the minister is a product that came about as a result of independent thinking and initiatives of the public service commission in other words we were not influenced by by external 
uh, uh, institutions. We took the advice because we arranged these uh, workshops to obtain advice to take the process further. What is important to note is that the constitution is very clear. The commission remains accountable to the National Assembly. There is a working relationship between the office of the Public Service Commission and the on a number of Commission in our own meeting have also expressed, you know, the desirability of you know, us taking our our uh, matters directly to the National Assembly and directly to this portfolio committee uh, because we're an independent institution. However, the arrangement and there's where, uh, that is where the Deputy Minister is, is correct. The arrangement currently is that. Bills can only be channeled. I'm not referring to to uh, um, uh, uh, members' bills, um, but but when it goes through the normal processes, bills can only come through cabinet, and the minister that is is sponsoring the bill of the Public Service Commission is the Minister of Public Service and Administration. That is why we are going through that route. The ideal would be to take it directly to, to, to the National Assembly and to the Portfolio Committee, but currently we, we are not allowed. I don't think the, the Speaker and even yourself, Honourable Chairperson, would allow us to bring it to you directly because that is not the, the process at, at the moment. So I, I hope that has assisted or, or answered the question of, of Honourable Mbele. With regards to the input of uh, Honourable Ntuli, Thank you very much, Honourable uh, Ntuli, for the support. Um, we, we really rely on the support of the Portfolio Committee to, to get this uh, bill that has been uh, on, on the cards for so long uh, through Parliament eventually. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much. We uh, all the questions that were, were were raised are responded to now, and we must now deal with the minutes of the previous meeting. Can I invite the secretary of the committee to take us through those minutes? Chairperson. Oh, yes, yes, uh, Honorable Deputy Minister, you wanted to Can make a comment excused? after that. Okay, okay, uh, I allow you to do is, that. Is it okay to be excused at this point? I can, I can, I, I, I allow that because you are not part of the, dis the uh, discussions at the moment. So Thank the you, department can leave, can leave. Thank you, Chairperson. Yes. Uh, thanks, thanks, Chairperson. Uh, thanks to um, um, um to you and uh, once okay. again, good afternoon, honourable members. Chairperson, uh, sorry, sorry, Chairperson, it's Talana Halley from um, Parliamentary Legal Services. May I, I also be excused? 
I, I hope as we deal with these minutes, there will be no litigative matters <laughs> so you can leave. Thank you, Che. Thanks. <laughs> Um, thank you, thank you, Chair. I'm not sure if you can see my 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 projection from this side, Chair. Uh, I, think it can I can see. I can see there are minutes coming up, and those minutes are for the 16th of March. Yes, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll go page by page, page by page, Chairperson, and then uh, we will then adopt the sets of minutes. We've got about about seven sets of minutes, Chairperson. I'll go swiftly. Most of them are just a uh, 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 small Jefferson because we had done um, 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 and the budget votes, uh, so they are they are they are, they are very small Jefferson. Ah, on page one, on the minutes of the 16th of March Jefferson. Uh, here, okay. Tennis registered chair. Then I'm on page. Uh, page three, chair. Uh, these minutes were sent um, uh, two weeks back, and we also resent them last week, chairperson. That's page four. Um, page five, chairperson. Uh, Public Service Commission presented here on the misconduct, financial misconduct. And that's the last page, Jefferson. Thank you. Thank you, Mastrole. Can can I invite members to to speak on those minutes? Or if you are happy with the minutes, there's nothing you want to correct. You uh, can propose adoption. Chairperson, uh, um, Honourable Mbele, just very quickly, if I may. Okay, Honourable Mbele. Yes, just a, a small grammar issue on page three. Um, the second line under 2.3 is, I think it should say, uh, employees who had failed to apply for pension redress within the stipulated time frame. I'm just going to the, to the minutes. Then you, Honourable Mbele, you say you're on... on Page. Uh, page three, uh, and then towards the bottom, it's the uh, paragraph 2.3. Okay, I've got it. On the second line, uh, after pension redress, I think that should be uh, apply for pension redress within the, the time frame, not just with within. Okay. I'm corrected on the side. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, honorable member, no, please confirm. For some of us, um, English, Africans, and other languages are the 11th and the 10th languages. And it would be good if we correct the nuance. And because we, we get the, the minutes, uh, uh, the documents prior to the meeting, if, if really we feel like uh, assisting 
uh, the secretary uh, was secretary. Uh, we for the meeting and we correct that the grammar not not coming to the meeting and correct the grammar because for me uh, that is the eleventh uh, language for us. But is and must it's okay fine. Okay. Honorable <laughs> members, when you correct minutes, you correct the spirit of the discussions. If what is written is not capturing the, the spirit of the discussions in the meeting, then you, are, you, can, you can correct it. Okay, and the chairperson, my, my apologies. I, I was working from a convention from my previous committees. I'm happy to send my, my textual edits uh, via email to the secretary uh, later on. Okay, no, I, I was not uh, uh, in any way saying Honorable Bele is wrong. But I was just advancing a principle of how Minutes are corrected. Thank you. What is the secretary saying? Yes, I've made the changes, Jefferson. Um, um, I'm ready now to, to move to another set of minutes, Jefferson. You can move on. Can you adopt okay. Sorry. Can't we adopt it first so that we move to the second chair? Okay. Okay, that is in order, Honorable Ndodi. Can I get a proposal for the adoption Propos of this? A proposal for the adoption of this of the minutes uh, with with the amendment that has been done by Honorable Bell. Anyway. Can I get a second to Honorable Ndodi? Jefferson, if, if we can just see the attendance. One is not sure whether we're part of the meeting or not. Marcy. Uh, Honorable Kibi, I let me quickly double check. However, I I want to I'll just go there now again to the attendance. No, I was not part of the meeting, I can see. No, you, you were there, Honorable Kibi. Um, you were there, Honorable Kibi. You were there on the 16th. 23 March. The minute yes, March. not on this one, Honorable Kipu, but the other one, you, you were there, Honorable Kipu. Which minutes are we adopting, Kant? 16th, 16th March. I second the proposal, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable uh, Kibi. Therefore, the minutes are adopted. Can we move to the next set of minutes, Mastole? Thank you, Chair. Uh, I was about to upload the ones of the 16th, Chair, just to show uh, Honorable Chair. Chair. I have minutes of the, of the 23rd, Chair. Chairperson? Honorable Kondwe. Uh, Utain Tarala who disturb a meeting, but Kibata Hotalo Hanya who are going forward. 
uh, Yanung Convention Yahoo Nine. Are we not allowed to correct spelling? Uh, I just I just want us to to be clear because I was not clear, Hore, Hore. You know what what you had decided on this issue. No, no, no. You you, you correct everything, including spelling, when right. you correct minutes. Okay. Can I continue, sir? Most uh, Okay. I'm on the set of minutes on the 23rd, Chairperson. On this day, we're considering um, um, first and uh, second term and then third quarterly performance reports, Chair. Uh, we also adopted minutes on the day and we did um, mandate of the Public Service Commission. I'm on page, on page, page one, Chair. I'm on page two. Members will shout as Mascola is going on with pages if there's something they want to correct on any page. On this set of minutes, there's nothing much because all the discussions are affected into the into the quarterly reports. I'm on page um, three, Chair. Uh, that's the last page, Chairperson. That's the set of minutes of the twenty of the twenty third March, Chair. Thank you. Are there members who want Chairman, to correct anything on this set of minutes? Uh, Chairperson. Yes, shout. Yes, Chair, it's Manduli here. Yes. I rise to, to adopt the, the minutes, the set of minutes of the 23rd. Bavada, I wanted also, Chair, to clarify myself uh, in terms of correcting the minutes. I was speaking in terms of grammar, other than spelling and, and, and the tense, if it's uh, present tense, uh, uh, or, or all those things. But I was specific on grammar. Honorable Ndoli, you are allowed to correct. You are allowed to correct everything, including grammar and everything, because the minutes after this, they they become the record of the meeting. So we must not have a record of the meeting that has wrong things in it. You can correct. Indeed, Chepesin, you you. You are quite correct, Chair. The secretary sends us the sets of the meeting prior the meeting. So in terms of grammar, maybe uh, in my old school, uh, when I was doing secretariat, those are the things that were picked up. There, there are things that you, you can't just do in the, mini, in, sorry, in the meeting. But it's good because you are part of the meeting. Even if it's the chairperson of the sector of the meeting, if you are phoning him and trying to communicate with him, it's not an offense. It's not an offense. But uh, coming to the meeting and say, only if the min minutes are capturing the sense as, as to what was said in the meeting. Mm. Okay, I see Honorable Malomani. Thank you, Honorable Chair, and greetings to everyone. I second 
thanks chair i will continue i am on the sets of the minutes of the of of third major person Once again, here, Chaperson, we were briefed on 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 budget, Chaperson. Uh, I'm on page one. We were dealing with that uh, PME and female. Uh, page one. Uh, page two. Um, page three. Attendance. Then page four, page five, uh, page six. Once again, share the, the discussions on this and these minutes are factored onto the reports. Uh, there will not be much information on these sets. However, the, the discussion, intensive discussion on the reports. Uh, thank you so much, Chairperson. Those are the minutes. Of twenty third, um, of third of major. Thank you. Thank you. Can I get a proposal for the adoption of this set? Thank you, Chair Yes, Honorable Mkweba. I'm moving for the adoption of the minutes of the third May Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mkweba. Any second to Honorable Mkweba? Honorable Duli, I second. Honorable Duli, Honorable Kibi are seconding. Therefore, the minutes are adopted. Can we move to the other set if there is any? We are on the set of, of six major. On this day, we were just purely considering um, the five draft reports, Chair. I'm on page one. Uh, on page two, uh, the reports were adopted on this page. Uh, and then page, page three, that's the last page, Jefferson. Thank you. Thank you. Can I get any member to propose adoption of this set? Mm-hmm. I see. Duli and Honorable Maloma. Honorable Duli. Yes, Chair. I rise for the adoption of the minutes, Chair. Maloma. I second, Chair. Therefore, the minutes are adopted. Is there any other look must call? Yes, Jefferson. Uh we're almost there, Jefferson. But I just we left with two. Um on 18 May um 2022. Uh, we're briefed by stats on census and also uh TPME on the NTP. We also consider the report Jefferson of the oversight. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm on page one. Which is attendance and then page two, page three. Members will shout if there's anything they want to change. 
on the pages as they move on. And page four. I'm on page five. Uh, that's the last page, Everson, page six. Thank you. Honorable Nduli, I give you the platform. Thank you, Chairperson. I rise for the adoption of the Minister. There's a proposal for the adoption. Any seconder to Honorable Nduli? I second Honorable Chair. Thank you. The, that set is also adopted by the meeting. I am on the second last uh, set of minutes, Chairperson. Uh, the minutes of the 25th of May, where we dealt with uh, the medical aid scheme. So they, the, page, page one, Chair. Page two. Page three. Um, page four. Uh, that's the last page, Chairperson. Thank you. Honorable Ntuli, I see your hand is up. Thank you, Chair. I, I adopt this set of minutes, Chairperson. Adopting an Honorable Malomani. I'm seconding, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mano Lomane. The minutes are therefore adopted by the meeting. Okay, Chair. This is last week's minutes, Chairperson. Uh, the minutes of the 1st of June, 2022. Um, it's the last set, Chair. I'm on page one. On page two, Chaperson. Page three. Page four. Page five, the last page, Chair. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maskole. I see Honorable Ntuli and Honorable Malomani. Honorable Ntuli, take the floor. Thank you, Chairperson. I propose for the adoption of the minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson, for the last minute. Thank you, Chair. I second. Therefore, the minutes are adopted with the secondment from Honorable Malomani. Was that the last set, uh, Mastol? Yes, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, honorable members. As I said, this is the last minute meeting of this term. We'll meet again now in the, in the second term. The meeting now stands adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairman.
Thank you, Chairperson. It's very cold in, in KZ and these days. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you.